Hey folks, welcome back to Maybe Not Taue. I'm your host, Stephen Graham, and this is a very special episode. Uh, normally, these are divided into multiple parts with um, different segments and, and all of that, but because we're uh, covering 2021, uh, which is, uh, if you check your calendars, uh, ended very recently, uh, I have a special guest here who is... Uh, going to also give their top 25 list for 2021. So we're going to uh, compare and contrast ours and uh, have a lovely uh, discussion with that. Uh, and to do that is um, going to be my friend Kadarvi, who uh, he is my, um, I would say my, uh, the, the hero behind uh, the Joshi Knights on the Discord and uh, uh, getting me footage and answering all my random weird questions that i don't know the answer to about wrestling history um so uh welcome to the show hello i go go by the name of cadaveri i'm not that smart really i'm just good at googling shit how are you doing <laughs> i'm good cadaveri have i been saying that wrong in my head for like two years uh it's um it means corpses in italian oh well that's dark <laughs> Uh, it comes from when I used to be a, a gamer in it. Oh, yeah. Well, very good at shooting is, things. I'm really bad at shooting things in games. That's why I only... Or at least by the standards of a 12-year-old I was. <laughs> I mean in the game, not in real life. Uh, okay. Well, that's, that's much better. Um, so, 2021. Um, man, a wild year in wrestling that happened last year. Um, so many different things that we normally don't have to think about for wrestling. Um, so many, like, well, we had the pandemic. We have uh, Japan where they can't cheer. They can only clap. We had empty arenas. We had WWE fire about 200 people. Um, what is your thoughts on 2021? It's a very, very, like, difficult year, I've noticed, to really... Um like assess people i've got so used to doing it with wrestling just being normal i'm having to just rethink about how i do everything now because now wrestlers need to think about how they're going to get matches over properly where there's even no crowd there is like that fake crowd in that dystopian thunderdome thing that <laughs> wwe did which personally i thought was even worse than no crowd at all it kept reminding me of that fucking scene in um you know the second matrix film yeah, Neo's... where they're all fighting, <laughs> where he's fighting like twenty yeah. Mister of twenty, like two thousand. It reminds Mr. me of, yeah. It reminds me of that, and it also reminds me of that weird. Uh, what's it called? Guess who? Do you remember that board game? It's not really a board game. Yeah, yeah, Maybe the one where like, game. yeah, you had to be like, does this person have a mustache? And then they're like, no, and you remove everyone the mustache, and you have to like, yeah, that game. Yeah, it reminds me of that, and I wasn't very good at that game when I was like six years old, so I don't like being. Right. <laughs> brings back uh, bad memories well yeah <laughs> i know this, this uh, year I didn't, follow, I didn't follow any american or british wrestling at all like in real time until like the crowd start, came back i didn't really follow it so what i did i just all i watched in real time was just some stuff in japan uh mainly joshi with the odd um with the men's matches, but I've always been more into uh, judging the Japanese side until was it like July or 
August. And then I started watching AEW regularly again, so that's the second half of the year. I have, in the last month or two, I've been collecting like recommendations from the early start. I used to uh, watch some of that stuff from early in the year now, so I'm about as good as up to date as I think I reasonably can be. Yeah, and you're going to fill in a lot of gaps that I'm probably missing due to my uh, biases and my likes. Um, I, I really found yeah, so I with the- guess <laughs> every single one of these people I've got, whether you've got them or even higher. <laughs> Well, we'll see what goes on with that. Uh, one thing I, I, I did in 2021, which I didn't do in 1997, was um, I just didn't watch people I didn't care about. Uh, like in 97, I tried to like watch people I knew I wouldn't like, but like people were repping them. So I was like, I'll give them a try. Uh, for 2021, people gave me lists of people and I'm like, there's no fucking way like uh like, the, like i'm sure they're great but they're not for me so i like this shouldn't be um like it shouldn't be homework or a job like it should be for fun so um yeah it could be yeah you'll you'll help to I'm do the that one, the one thing i just have to accept i just don't like is fucking dragon gate <laughs> Yeah, I've, but I love Vision of Pro. Game, I've watched so many of their matches, and uh, I'm just gonna watch something else now. Sorry. Yeah, maybe I'll get a, yeah. a Dragon Gate. I've just upset half the people listening to the podcast now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Any Dragon Gate fans I have listening? To, um, oh, we'll find if out. You're there, yeah, if you're there, uh, I would love to talk to you. If, if like I would love for someone to explain to me Dragon Gate, that would be cool. Um, but that's the future. Um, so I, I've talked extensively on these podcasts about how I make my list. Uh, how do you make your list, Cat? Oh, you're exposing me as a massive fucking nerd now. <laughs> uh, what I do is, if a match is worth recording on a spreadsheet. I write it down just all through the year. I don't actually write it down in a spreadsheet. I watch wrestling. I usually have a pen and paper and note things down there, and I'll put it into a spreadsheet like once a month or something. But then at the end of the year, I just look at like the list that the spreadsheet will create, which will then create like a draft. And then I'll look at it and just decide, well, that's like just fucking bullshit, and then just massive to change it anyway. The list... Uh, that that spreadsheet provides is created by some very nerdy uh, formula you've made in Excel, right? Yeah, it's like going by the starting team matches and you get bonuses for having the best match of a certain person's year. So if uh, Miro's best match of the whole year was Eddie Kings- was versus Eddie Kingston, which it was, uh, Eddie Kingston 10% of their little score. But I don't actually go by it. I think that's just a little useful way for me to just create like a, a rough draft because it'll be not like totally wrong. And then I'll just like make edits based on certain things which are just like intangible. I'm never going to get that into a spreadsheet. There's no point in doing that. Yeah. So like I'm doing my top 25. 10 faces because she's got a funny face. 
So it'd be like when I do my GWE list and I have my top 25s for each year and I'll create a draft list and then I'll fix it because it will be wrong uh, based on that. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. I, um, I, I, my method is not the same, but uh, it's, it starts the same. And that, that's what's important. <laughs> okay. So, uh, man. Um, so first I just want to do a little note here. Uh, sadly, like when I did my original list, I had three or four people that all had less than 15 matches each. And I thought 15 matches is not enough. <laughs> so I kept one of those people, but I eliminated the others um, just because it felt wrong. Uh, but like, you know, shout out to your your Mickey Jameses and your Serena Deebs who had like almost no matches last year, but who were great. So I want to give them a little bit of some love. Um, but sadly, they can't make my list. He did not, but I did want to include CM Punk as like an honorable mention. Okay, cool. Well, he's one of the I'm most watching. It's just he's only been here for three months, so it doesn't feel fair ranking anyone below him. That's why I put him 25. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to include him. It's not really. It, it just wasn't really enough to include him fairly. I'd just be being really fucking biased if I did that. But unless he gets, uh, I shouldn't say that, unless he gets injured or something, I'm pretty sure he's going to end up on my 2022 list. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, nine matches, uh, um, some really great ones in there. Um, Clearly, he watched a lot of Bret Hart when he wasn't wrestling before he came back, which will always endear someone to me. Uh, and it, it's just really nice having someone um, in wrestling that has just that authenticity uh, and that like specialness um, that not everyone has. Uh, and it, it's just been a joy to watch CM Punk over the last couple months, um, turning out a lot of... Uh, great stuff with a lot of different people and some uh some new faces so uh cm punk for me number 25 who is your number 25 uh my number 25 i'm gonna say in a minute i'm just gonna add what my other honorable mentions are because i wanted to mention them yeah. (laughs) yeah so the cm punk uh i had two others no i had three others uh the other one is kenny omega uh, the reason why I'm not ranking him is because, to be honest, I just don't like him. <laughs> well, that's a good reason. Uh, he's someone who I admit but does have some like great matches in there, and he has had some great matches this year. Uh, I did like the the that fucking debacle match, the explosion one, until oh, yeah. the explosion yeah. happened. Bro, that was actually a really good match up until that point. The The Brian Danielson match was amazing. Uh, I also really liked the, uh, well, two matches with Christian. One at All Out. And the other one was, uh, it was on the on Rampage, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think I the TV was a bit better, the match with Christian. But he also has some really annoying performances that just... Uh, he's another one of those people who he's kind of like not really for me, so I can't really rank him that high. Uh, my other honorable mentions are uh, Sasha Banks. She has two of my favorite matches of the year against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. And another one which wasn't 
on that level, still pretty great. There was a match against Becky Lynch on Raw. But I can't really include her on the 25 based pretty much on two matches. And my other honourable mention from Tokyo Joshi Pro is Miyu Watanabe. Uh, there's no way she's getting in the top 25 for the year, really. I'm just extremely invested in her long-term quest of being able to hit the giant swing on Aja Kong. Hopefully she does it next year. Hopefully. Um, if we're mentioning uh, people so that are making our list that I want to give love to, I just want to throw uh, some Yunagi Sakia love. Uh, she ain't making my list. She only got good around like July. But, uh, you know, props for her. I hope she makes my 2022 list because, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> Kai, why don't you go ahead with your number 25? So my number 25, who you will definitely not have, is Katsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so let's talk about them. I don't even know what, uh, um, who they work for or what uh, company or anything. So let's I, go. I have him, I have him right at the bottom of my list because I only started watching any of his matches from 2021, like about three weeks ago. But I saw like enough to see he's almost only one of the best, the top 25 wrestlers of the year anyway. Uh, he, he's Noah. He's one of the top stars pro wrestling Noah. Um, you, you're not going to like this. He had a pretty excellent 60-minute draw uh, against Keno in... I don't remember the fucking day off the top of my head. It was either October or November anyway. Which... Uh, and you know, I've moaned to you about some of the more boring 60-minute draws that I've had to like watch over the years, but this didn't feel boring at all. This is and the one I'm where they stared at each other for fifteen minutes. Sorry, first. is this the one where they stared at each other for forty-five minutes? No, no, no. That's um, that's got nothing to do with this match. That wasn't even twenty twenty-one, Stephen. That was in twenty twenty. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, and I don't, I don't consider that to be a match either. I consider that to be um, a strange performance art slash parody. <laughs> And well, that's just to talk about him as a wrestler. He has a really kind of interesting face. His eyes kind of stick out when he's getting annoyed at people. And he's is he guy right? Oh, you may be right there. I'm not sure. And you know, no offense, big bombs. I like that kind of shit sometimes. So he'll just about earn his, himself a spot on the list. He's number 25 for me. Thanks. Well, that's someone to look forward to that I've never heard of before, so that's always good. Uh, but number 24, I know it's someone you're very familiar with, but I have no idea if you rank them. I assume probably not. Um, maybe? Uh, Azumi? Whoa, ho, ho. I have Azumi higher. Oh, nice. Okay. They were like my last addition, so I was. Uh, I'm glad that you have them higher. So, uh, who's your 24? Uh, my 24 is Takumi Iroha. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, she's another one who I've got lower because she's been injured until July. Uh, she had a pretty rough knee injury towards the end of 2020. And she returned in July. They did a really dramatic um, 
the, the marvelous the promotion she wrestles for they did a wonderfully dramatic um video of her injuring a knee in like super slow motion so you could see exactly how she did it hype her return so we've only got about five months from from her that's why she's lower than she probably would not normally be considering she's one of my favorite wrestlers at the moment um pretty soon straight after coming back she had a big run in stardom which is very exciting for me because we get to see her matches actually filmed properly and on the <laughs> internet so we can fucking watch them yeah and everything else uh, marvelous does have a streaming service but a lot of this stuff either doesn't go up or the stuff that does go up it's not the best video quality to be honest in terms of the production values quite often it's just one camera who for some reason they always decide to film their show sitting right next to a fan which is louder than the actual fucking match um best she had nice. one of the best matches with zumi who you yeah. mentioned earlier uh, which I saw kind of like as a spiritual sequel of the Azumi versus Meihoshizuki match, which happened last year, which is also a Stardom versus Marvelous match, and included Azumi, who because she's under what's the what's the word? Not outgunned. She's just smaller than everyone else. So she, so instead of trying yeah. to knock everyone out, she just tries to win by doing every single pinning combination that she knows until eventually maybe one of them will work. That was really fucking cool. One of the best matches of the year also was against Shuri at the yeah. Uh, I nearly said the G one then the the five Brain star three. Grand Prix yeah, yeah. Um, which includes Shuri de- delivering um, not Shuri Akumi rather delivering one of the loudest smacks that I've ever heard in a fucking wrestling match ever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, that match is fucking awesome. Uh, Shuri had. Yeah, we'll talk about her later, but yeah, we'll that, that's a great later. match. Yeah. Uh, also, what's interesting about her, her gear. Yeah, <laughs> her gear is great. What's interesting about her is I had her on my list, and I posted my list to you, and you said, ah, you could probably remove her. I'm like, okay, you're the biggest fan I know of her. If you're saying I can eliminate her, I will. So I took her off my list, and then you put her on your list. <laughs> so... Well, I kept thinking about it more and more. But actually, actually, I was—I think I was a bit wrong earlier because well, I included it with CM Punk. In it. But now nah, we've got more Takumi on film than CM, than CM Punk. What the fuck was I on about? There's like twelve <laughs> matches, I think. Twelve Takumi matches just from Stardom, and there's a few other from somewhere else as well. That there's a match with Hiro Hashimoto in a Sendai Girls just at the end of the year, which is very good on also. Not as good as the rematch which happened a month later, but that's 2022. Man, I might, like, redo my list after we talk. <laughs> no, you can't <laughs> fucking some... do that. Because everybody redoes their fucking list. This is just the list as of 23rd of January. Oh, okay. Well, we'll move on then. Uh, but yeah, she's awesome. And uh, yeah, so many great matches. Uh, her her uh, Grand Prix performance was great. Uh, all the other Starbin stuff was good. Um Everything I've seen by her is awesome. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hopefully we get more footage of her in 2022 because um, she's always awesome every time I see her. Uh, but number 23 now. Uh, this is uh, someone that uh, I just watched in the last month when I was putting together this list uh, because it cool. was someone that everyone was hyping. 
Um, but uh, at number 23, Everyone. I have Jonathan Gresham. Ooh, I have him higher. Okay. See? Everyone was hyping. So we'll... Uh, <laughs> who, who am I going to have that you don't have? Like, this is going to be interesting. Okay. Uh, everyone I have uh-huh. up higher. Uh-huh. All the starving people. Okay. Who's your uh, 23? Uh, my number 23 is Mayu Watani. Um, yeah, I have her. Uh, Mayu... Did you have her? Wait a second. Uh, could you say that name again? I'm really bad with names. <laughs> Mayu Iwatani. Yes, I definitely have higher. Okay, we can move on from that. Okay. Um, my number 22. Uh, I'm curious if you've had this person on your list. Uh, and that would be Micah. Oh, I do not have Micah on that, my list, even though I do like her a lot. Yeah, I think she... Uh, I think she was spectacular this year. Especially the like, holder of that. This needs to end in 10 seconds. <laughs> you know what I'm on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the... Who drivers, three people in a row, pinned them, and that was the end. <laughs> yeah, that was tremendous. Um, I have like I have like five matches of her that I have at seven and three quarters. Like... Sure, she didn't hit the super top end that maybe some other people did, but she definitely delivered, and I I thought her character work uh, became tremendous uh, this year. Uh, And she's always just a standout uh, working with anyone. She's she's so engaging, and um, yeah, she's in that, like, kind of Finley Regal thing where, like, she's fucking great, but, like, maybe not the high-end stuff. Uh, But... That, that will get you into a list for me, for sure. And uh, a lot of fun with her this year, uh, especially her, her Grand Prix was uh, tremendous, um, uh, for sure. Yeah, the Grand Prix match with Utami, I thought that was a really great match. But that's the only match of hers I really have that high this year. Uh, I have the, well, that, the other match. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. Uh, and you know, nice judo stuff, and it's nice, you know, power stuff. And yeah, she's really fun. Um, but who's your 22? My 22, who you will obviously have for the Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said Tam, yes, okay, cool. Um, yeah, definitely have higher. Uh, so number 21 is someone that I didn't have on my list at all. Um, so a little bit of inside baseball here. What I do, uh, when I'm like getting ready for the podcast is I, um, I copy all of my matches from the database for the year and I put them in a notepad and then I start, um, putting them under people's names. So I have each wrestler and then every match I listed for them under notepad and I was doing that, and then this person <laughs> came up so much with so much high-end matches. I was like, well, why the hell am I not? I don't have them on my list anywhere. So uh, I end up making room for them. But uh, Saya Kamatani? Okay. Cool, Saya's not on my list. Oh, okay. The, the dome girl, dome woman, um, uh, I thought she... She delivered in big matches. Like, if I look at my list, 
of uh, great matches involving her. They're all in like big stages, like the Tam match at the at the Sumo Hall or the the Mica match, the the Cinderella uh, finals, um, or the uh, the other Tam match, <laughs> which I thought was great too. Uh, and I thought she uh, at the end, at the start of the year, I wasn't really thinking about her, um, but. Uh, as the year went on, I thought she, you know, she became more like Hayabusa <laughs> throughout the year, and it made me uh, endear myself to her. And obviously, the company is really behind her, giving her the uh, wonder wonder of stardom title, um, uh, kind of like pushing her as like the next star of the company. So, um, yeah, she was a late addition to my list. I wasn't thinking about her, but um, as as the process went along, I was like, how can I not have this person? Zoom, zoom. The reason why I didn't really have her is because she has a lot of a, she has a lot of kind of annoying habits in her matches. Though I'd like her a lot more if she didn't do the same elbow strike sequence in almost every fucking match. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if uh, you're gonna do that, at least like fucking hit them hard. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I just, um, I edit out all those kind of strike exchanges from every wrestler <laughs> and like just discount them and just like call it a wash. Okay. <laughs> it might be. Uh, we'll talk about that later with someone else. Uh, but there's a lot of people doing these, th- th- that sequence. Uh, and uh, I wish it just went away. Yeah, it really needs to be banned. Yeah, totally. At least like put it on hold for like five years and then bring it back. Um, but no, I see it on every show. So um, it's hard to like, for me, it's hard to penalize someone for doing something that every fu- fucking person does. So, but I, I understand. Uh, yeah, it's I not just that it. she does something that everyone fucking does, is that she seems to be particularly not very good at it. Yeah, she's she's not. I don't mind <laughs> that, that fucking Arisa Nakajima does those things, so she actually does it pretty fucking well. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Uh, but yeah, you're number 21. My 21 is, I know this is Rusev then, my number 21 is Miro. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't have them, but uh, I've, I've um, from what I've seen, they were pretty good. And um, so why don't you talk about them? Yeah, there's matches with uh, Eddie Kingston at one of the pay-per-views. I've got a bad memory for the names, but people listening to the podcast, they know the fucking match I'm talking about. And the... The title match with Darby Allen, which were two of my favorite AEW matches of the year. I'm also kind of including his promos in this ranking a little bit. I don't normally do that, but his his character is basically the Brock Lesnar promo after he defeated whatever his fucking name is. Was it UFC 100? Uh, Randy Couture? No. I fucked up your podcast now. You're gonna have to like edit this fucking bit out, and I'm gonna say my point when I remember what the fuck I'm talking about. No, no, no. We we don't. We did edit on this. <laughs> he fought so many right, people. Uh, this is what I fucking meant. Miro's character is basically Brock Lesnar's promo after UFC 100, where he defeated Frank Mir or Frank uh, Mir okay. even. Yeah, it's just every single one, he just rewords it in a different way, but it's basically bragging about how God is on his side and he's got a really hot wife. 
until he lost the title, of course, at which point God has abandoned him. And now he's got a character where he's basically raging against God all the time. I, 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 um, straight face just doing this kind of like silly character, whatever. But most importantly, he's a really fucking good wrestler. He hits people really hard and he's a big boy. So I fucking like him. Where did I add him? Number 21? Yeah, that's about fucking right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was always a big fan of him, uh, uh, going back to when he first debuted. Um, but, uh, obviously, I don't watch as much AEW. So it's hard for me to uh, rank some of those folks. Um, because it just doesn't appeal to me. But uh, uh, from what I've heard, uh, he had a resurgence, which is very nice to see, because um, I thought he could have been big shit uh, a while ago. Uh, and someone dropped the ball. But uh, we all know about that. Um, well, when my- AEW had a terrible gimmick, which apparently was his idea. Not that fucking gamer shit, but thankfully someone, maybe just Tony Khan, has stopped him from doing that shit. Well, as long as he found it works. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, My number 20 is uh, uh, Asuka Veni. I'm not sure if you have them. Ah, Cool. Yeah. You have them higher? No, I did not rank them, but I considered them. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I watched, um, you know, a handful of stuff with them, and they're just, they're, they're very, very good. Uh, very fun to watch. Um, they got me to see uh, a Kajetsu match in 2021, which I never thought I would Kigetsu. see. So, Kigetsu, so that, that's, that makes my day. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think they're a wrestler on the way up, which is uh, uh, good to see. Um, and obviously they don't have the annoying stuff that uh, Saya has, so I, I put them slightly ahead of them uh, for that reason. But they worked a lot, 92 matches last year, uh, which for 2021 uh, is actually quite a bit because uh, a lot of people were working uh, less than normal. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them in the future for sure. I pretty much agree with all of that, despite not ranking them. That's fair. Uh, who's twenty? Oh yeah, that's close enough. I think anything from like you know twenty to like forty is going to be pretty close. It's like the the NHL draft where like the top ten is elite, and then you have like this huge gap where everyone's kind of you could you know it's picking preferences at that point. I don't know nothing about these minority sports. <laughs> very fair. Uh, hockey. It's got H in it. Yeah, so I think it. <laughs> if it's not, if it's me time at a sport, it's going to be hockey. So okay, just, uh, I should know it. Considering I did play fucking hockey when I was at what do you call it? High school. That's a fascinating story that I want to hear one day. Uh, but <laughs> who's your number twenty? Apparently, my teacher told me that I was particularly skilled at the wielding of long implements. I'm pretty sure that was their exact wording because I weren't no good at any other sports. You know, the sport I was good at was soccer. So we got some like cultural uh, exchanges going on here. 
I do play that every like fucking week or two. Oh, it's been I'm not sure. Time. I kind of think I'm not very good. But maybe that's because I get forced to play left back despite being right footed because no one else wants to play fucking left back. Uh, I always played uh, center D. Uh, that was my position. How can you play center, center defender? Aren't you like really fucking short? Um, I was. So I'm 5'10, or like I'm like Lady C size. And, uh, but I was like tall um, early. Like I was pretty much like five eight, five nine, and like oh, yeah, six. I, well. I grew like six inches when I was like twelve. Yeah, yeah. Between grade five and six, I grew like six inches in that summer. Uh, so I, I was kind of taller than most people. So uh, I had that advantage. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, it's really really bullying school when you're twelve because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for sure. Uh, number twenty. Who do you got? Uh, my number 20, who you mentioned earlier, is Jonathan Gresham. Oh, okay, cool. Talk about uh, He's another one who I kind of binge-watched in the last like month. I always do this in like, January, uh, whenever in the new year and over the year when I've been collecting little recommendations and writing them down and promising that I'm going to watch this at some point and I've got around to it. All right, I'm going to watch this shit now in some kind of vague chronological order. Uh, Jonathan Gresham. Same as he's been for probably like about 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, just really, he's really interesting to watch. He's got lots of little cool, cool moves that he does, like, like technical stuff. But he never really feels like he's, uh, like he's just like showing off his moves, if you get what I mean. He still managed to incorporate yeah, yeah. it into the match properly. So he doesn't, like, he's still trying to win. He's not just, uh, you know what I mean? He's not just he's not yeah. just showboating to entertain the crowd. He's trying to win the match, and this is this new little trick that he's been working on with his training partners. Yeah, uh, it's all less, of this uh, John was going for it. Yeah, yeah. The um, the match that comes to mind that I most recently watched and I really fucking enjoyed was against Jay Lethal at uh, the last Ring of Honor show that they did. Was it Final Battle? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, final, final battle. Yeah, yeah, final battle. The one which is being, uh, people are talking about like it's going to be the last Ring of Honor show ever, which probably isn't going to be the case at this point, but it feels that way. Well, they the booked matches for the April show, so I assume that's going to go on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John from Gresham. Uh, oh, you had him in your list as well, so even Stephen agrees. It's yeah, a yeah. One of the better wrestlers <laughs> of the year. <laughs> yeah, if I have a man, a man on my list, and uh, th then the, they're probably pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah, they 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 their tricked out submission style is always fun, and like you said, it's a, a submission style that's not showy. It's more uh, victory oriented, which is uh, great to watch. Um, and yeah, and I know uh, I had a problem watching some of their stuff because a lot of it had no crowd. And that's not the most fun to watch, but uh, definitely um, uh, damn good to watch. Uh, even yeah, in that environment. Uh, it, it just lifts everything up. That's why I recommend the Jay Lethal match. At least he's got a crowd there. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Okay, my number 19. I'm, I'm curious if you have them. Uh, and I'm curious if you'll be able to tell who it is based on my horrible pronunciation. Um, but uh, Mio... <laughs> 
<laughs> Neo Manalmo from Marvelous. I've already told you that I've got them. Oh, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say that I got them. I said that I moved them 10 spaces up the list because she's got a nice face. <laughs> <laughs> that 10 spaces is higher than 19? Right. <laughs> I do have a higher than, uh, than 19, yes. Okay. I'm not an expert on pronouncing Japanese names, so I'm, there's no point asking me, really. I just kind of copy whatever the announcer says, so I think her name is pronounced Mio Momono. Momono, yes, that sounds much better than whatever the hell I said. Um, <laughs> so, who's your 19? Uh, my number... T- excuse me. My number 19 is Mio Yamashita. I'm Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, Mia Yamashita? Uh... Yeah, we'll call him Mio Yamashita. I'm copying okay, the answer. Okay, I have it higher. Okay, I have it higher then. Uh, so you have a move. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I know. Um, so my number eighteen, you have higher. It is uh, Daniel Bryanson. So um, don't know who that is. <laughs> Daniel Bryan or Brian Daniel. Daniel Bryan, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you merged the two names after they switched promotions, right? Aye, that'll be his name when he goes to New Japan. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have him higher. Uh, my number 18, I've got two Tokyo Joshi Pro workers back-to-back, kind of deliberately. But I decided to have her one higher at the last minute. It's Maki Ito. Who I have higher, too. Um, so, cool. wow. I'm, I'm rocking the Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um my number 17, here's one I don't think you have, is uh, Mercedes Martinez. I did not write Mercedes Martinez. All right. So uh, I haven't seen 2021, and the few matches I've seen uh, were all quite good, but nothing really made me feel that she's one of the best workers of the year. Very fair. So perhaps my favorite wrestler since... Uh, since Punk retired, uh, Mercedes Martinez. Um, the NXT stuff was okay. Um, I saw her have a, a, a good match with Gia Lee, but, uh, you know, NXT, uh, that, that kind of stuff was kind of hard to watch. And that was half of her year. Uh, and then she had I'll a break. <laughs> and then she came back in October, um, maybe September. And uh, she started off, like she was good, but it took her a little bit to get going. Uh, not like go- she was putting out like I have, I don't know, like three matches that are over seven <laughs> from uh, from October. So she was good. But uh, by the end of the year, I was seeing her having great matches again. Uh, and uh, especially the the one from uh, Warrior Wrestling with Thunder Rosa. Um, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. And if Mercedes Martinez is wrestling and um, then I'm going to rank her. And uh, probably I'm going to rank her super high because I think everything she does is just, like, just amazing. And uh, it's going to be great, um, no matter the setting. Like, uh, fucking Rachel Ellering, she had a great match with. And I think Rachel Ellering is not very good. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anything with Martinez. I'm Rachel Ellering. Sorry? <laughs> I have no opinion on Rachel Ellering. I'm sure I've seen some of the matches, but I have zero recollection of any of them. Um, that's that's what happens with her. 
but yeah, I thought that match with uh, Mer- uh, Martinez, which, the the Impact um, Knockouts Knockdown show, uh, she had like two or three really good matches on that show, which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm always going to rank her as long as she's like active. So uh, this is where she slotted into this year. Uh, hopefully, uh, she's going to have a much bigger 2022. That would be exciting. Yeah, I don't think I've watched any TNA this year or Impact. Uh, I've watched way too much, and you'll see uh, that later on. But uh, who is your number 17? My number 17, who you probably do not have, is Daniel Garcia. Uh, No. Uh, I've seen a few of their matches, though. Um, So they they do seem good, but uh, why don't you sell them on me? Just really... You know, right by this moment, I'm thinking I may have ranked him a bit fucking low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just really exciting to watch because he's just such a new guy, or well, certainly new to me because I didn't, even, I'd never even fucking heard of him a year ago. And he just turns up in AEW. I mean, this is from my perspective. I'm sure, like some other people who follow like the US Indies a bit closer than me, maybe can tell you a bit more. But from my perspective, he just turns up in AEW. He has a few like. I stand out performances just on Dark. And then he just emerges onto. He obviously is impressing some people, so he just emerges onto Dynamite. He has, at the time, I thought was CM Punk's best match since he returned. Um, that's no longer the case. I think the Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk is the best CM Punk match of the year. And then I just go and decide, all right, well, I obviously got to check this guy out from the rest of 2021. And I just find. Just put fucking Daniel Garcia into YouTube. That's how you check him out. He's got loads of matches on these promotions like Beyond, Limitless and whatever, which just post stuff for free on YouTube for you to watch whenever you fucking want. And almost every match that he is in is at least like fucking good. Uh, the ones that I'll push the most are against J.D. Drake. I don't know who the fuck J.D. Drake is. I like him. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big fat guy. <laughs> He's not that fat, I'm exaggerating now, but he's no. fatter than me. He's wrestling. <laughs> and him and, no, him and Garcia have two really fucking great matches. Uh, I don't remember the dates for all of them. Uh, the second one in August, I believe, that is, the, that is the better of the two. Everyone should watch that match, Daniel Garcia versus J.D. Drake. Just put it into YouTube, it's on there. Uh I think what I like about him the most, uh, kind of similar to like John from Gresham of all the technical stuff, but I think Daniel's a bit more like map based. And my my preferences for wrestling style are I prefer things to be a bit more grounded than what they generally are now. So, or have been in more recent times. So, I guess how wrestling was developing, at least in the United States, in in the twenty tens. It's been like moving away from what I'm really into. And what's kind of excited me a bit about this like latest generation of workers which are coming up, Daniel Garcia, I think, is the best of the lot. There's also guys like Lee Moriarty and Kevin Koo. Is that they're starting to like dial some of the um the over the top high flying stuff from my perspective back back down again. Back dial it back a bit. And they're getting really good or Learn how to really like work the map properly and you know use holds in like interesting ways that are not just uh 
not just like feeling like rest hold and stuff. And Daniel Garcia is the best of that group. So I've got him on my list because of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like what um, Gulak, Thatcher, and Busick were trying to do uh, like a decade ago or whatever. And it just didn't take off. Um, but hopefully it does this time. That's always good. Mm. Um, and Busick's back. So someone book um, Busick and Garcia because that would probably be amazing. Yeah, I fucking love Busick. Yeah, that's going to be a burn burner the whenever. <laughs> the last few years. <laughs> Man, yeah. Uh, yeah, Anyone someone... When he starts, he just smacks someone. <laughs> it's always a good thing. Um, I, I do think, yeah, someone... Whoever books Busick, uh, Garcia, that's 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 going to be a much-watch uh, match. Um, my number 16, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, we're getting higher up on the list, and I haven't heard you mention them, so I'm curious if they'll be there. Uh, but Julia... No, I do not have Julia on the list. Okay, I, 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 I had trouble with Julia. Yeah, uh, she was injured, and she did take time off, so that that does kind of hurt her uh, in a way. Um, but definitely earlier in the year, uh, and um, obviously the 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 Tam matches, which which has been one of my favorite matches, one of my top one hundred matches of all time. Actually, uh, if you listen to the last Pro Wrestling Super Show, um, uh, so and, and I thought she was really good in the Grand Prix, uh, but yeah, once uh, maybe September hit, she would definitely slow down until the end of the year. So that does hurt her. Uh, I, I can see that, um, but she she has something that uh, I, I was mentioning with Punk, just the star presence and just like um, like the special atmosphere. Uh, around her which makes um every performance of hers uh very enjoyable to watch for sure yeah i don't want anyone to think i'm one of these anti-julia people yeah probably make my, probably make my top 50 of the year uh if i was incorporating a performance and newspaper interview she'd probably make the list <laughs> well i don't know I if think that's she's, a criteria I think she's not in there though. She just does a she does annoying stuff. Like she has my least favorite arm drag in the history of wrestling. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it doesn't bother me. Ah, oh, it does bother me. Like, what the fuck is that? She does like about eighteen different movements, and it just all ends in a fucking arm drag. Yeah. Uh, what have you thought about her in January? Because I thought she's been like back on point. Don't ask me about no up-to-date stardom stuff. I haven't watched any of it, apart from the very first show of the year. Okay. Well, she, she's she's back in form. Um, so... so, I mean, for the match, and that was, a, that was a a good piece of business, that was. Yes, it was. Uh, her match against Starlight Kid in, I believe yeah. the date was February the 13th. That's my favourite Julian match of the year. Yeah, uh, that's another great one. Uh and she had another good one with Starlight Kid in the uh, Grand Prix too. Uh, not as great, obviously, yeah. but uh, but yeah. Uh, I think she had a lot of like kind of rubbish tag matches. Yeah, I didn't for some I, I reason like that tag one at all. Yeah, um, I do think your theory that she was kind of injured or something makes a little sense um, because uh, they have a tag match in uh, January. Uh, which is awesome. 
So it was probably their best tag match. <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, but what, hey, who's your uh, number 16? Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know. Mm. It's definitely weird. Uh, so no Julia. Um, Cad is no AT Julia. Julia. No Julia podcast. <laughs> but uh, I had her number 16. So all the stands can't be mad at me. <laughs> uh, who's your 16? Uh, my number 16 is Darby Allen. Yeah, I definitely don't have them, so I should talk about them. Uh, really, really fucking good suicide dive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking it, it's, Yeah. Uh, it's not. They have nutty dives. Um, I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I really enjoy his tag team with Sting. I think it's not just because the Sting's in it. By the way, I've got like no nostalgia for Sting at all. Uh, the first Sting, Sting that match that I ever saw was probably in like 2005 TNA, whatever it was. I did not grow up watching Sting or nothing. But I still like, really enjoy how they put those matches together. And I think Darby... He's really played the role of that tag team really well. Uh, you'd think... Like if you just described how it was that Darby Allen would be like the Ricky Morton of that tag team, but if anything, like half the time it's been the fucking other way, way around, like Darby coming to the rescue is Sting. Yeah, I could see Darby uh, working well as the hot tag, uh, for sure. Yep, yeah. and the CM Punk match, I thought it was really great in that match. Well, yeah, just one of the best AEW workers, like especially on like a week to week basis. He's really just I pretty much watch anything that he's in. Uh, he he's uh, one of the ones that you kind of be like, hey, this person could be a star, like for sure. Uh, they just kind of jump I think on. The I think he is just becoming a star now. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, becoming is. Uh, uh, not needed as a, a prefix to that. Twenty twenty one is probably in becoming a star, but I think as of now he is a star. Yeah, so probably do better on your next year's list. Uh, um, hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, my number fifteen um, uh, is Eddie Kingston, who you will have somewhere, right? Oh yeah, I've got Imaya. Okay. Who's your 15? My, my number 15, who, of course, you're going to have fucking hire Starlight Kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have Starlight Kid higher. Um, but 14 is I'm someone you had lower. I'm thinking I'm ranking Starlight Kid higher at 15, and then I'm reminding myself who I'm doing this podcast with. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people would have Starlight Kid higher than 15 besides me. Um, but <laughs> whatever, we'll talk about that when we get to them. Um, but number number fourteen is someone you had lower, uh, uh, Mia Yamashita, uh, someone who I hadn't really seen uh, until like the last month. And then I think it was you that gave me like a list of like eight matches to watch or something. Um, I didn't send and you a list. I sent you a video of eight matches to watch. Okay, that that's works. Uh, and I watched all that, and then someone else gave me more recs, and I, I watched those. Contributions. Yeah, uh, and. Um, 
it, it, it was interesting watching those vi- those videos because like I came out of it not liking Tokyo Joshi Pro but liking Mia. <laughs> it was a very strange experience. <laughs> like I hated the company. The presentation of the whole promotion. Yeah, and she has some of the like she kind of reminds like um I love people with unique kicking. And uh she has some unique kick offense, uh, which makes me very happy. Uh, she had some big, great matches. She's she's really good in that like um, dramatic main event role. Uh, so though that's big props. Um, and yeah, her her kicks are great, and she just carries herself uh, so well in those matches. Uh, and yeah, even if you don't like the company or the style, they 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 kind of transcend that. So. Um, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I think her being different to like everyone else in the company is kind of part of that company style. <laughs> yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't. I'm not sure how to word this, but like Miu Yamashita is like the ace of Tokyo Joshi Pro, and she is more central to that promotion than pretty much any like, ace that I can think of at the top of my head right now. Of like a major promotion, Stardom, for example, like pretty much rotates them and who the actual top star is. I know Utami had the, she had the big biggest year, but then Julia still gets a hold of a lot of attention, and Mayu is very protected. Whereas in Tokyo Joshi Pro, there's no one who's really uh, presenting such a centre way as Miu Yamashita is. I don't mean in terms of necessarily win loss records, although she does like lose extremely rarely. It's more that everyone else in the promotion, they seem to like measure how they are based on have they ever beat Miu Yamashita in a singles match? Have they ever got close to beating Miu Yamashita in a singles match? And so much of their own like personal like character arcs, she is involved in some way or another. And because she has that role in the promotion, it's important that she just isn't presented like anyone else's. Do you, get what I'm, do you get what I'm saying about it? Yeah, that's 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 fascinating to think about. Um, I I have to wrap my head around that one, but I, I think it makes sense for sure. Yep, like Maki Ito's debut was against uh, Yamashita, for example. And they've like her like character arc pretty much like the entire time she's been at the promotion <laughs> is her like trying to beat Yamashita. <laughs> Which she will yeah. never ever do, of course. <laughs> Is it it's the Masawa Kawada story? <laughs> uh, it's more like let's say if Kawada was already famous before he debuted for All Japan, and so his debut was kind of like got a lot of attention, and his debut was against uh, Misawa, and Misawa just like annihilated him. <laughs> I think I need to see that match because that that sounds fun. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the Mike Ito uh, debut. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you can out. find it. I'm not saying it's like a great a great match on its own, yeah. but as part but of the story, part of the character art, you should probably watch it just to get where everyone where everyone's coming from going forward. Even though you can pretty, you can probably just pretty fucking imagine what it was like in your head right now. <laughs> I think I have an idea of what it looks like, and I'm excited to see that. So I will definitely track that yep. down. 
like it, it was pretty funny kind of how she won a title back, which is Rika Tatsumi, who had won the, the championship uh, at the start of the year. Basically, just decided because Yamashita hadn't really been focusing on winning a, a main title back. And Rika Tatsumi just decided, you know, I've never beat me, Yamashita. I'm going to. If I'm going to really be the proper champion, I'm going to have to have a match with her in it. And then Yamashita says, yeah, all right, I'll wrestle you. And then she just beats her and takes the title back. That's a good match. <laughs> I like that. That's a very good match. Yeah. Um, who do you have 14? Uh, my number 14, uh, which is probably going to be a bit of an eccentric pick. I'm sure you don't have them. It's Sheamus. I have not seen a Sheamus match in like it feels like years. So how how's good old Sheamus doing nowadays? It feels like an eccentric pick. It shouldn't really be because everyone's just kind of bored of him, I guess, at this point. But he's always so good, right? Like he still fucking rules, man. And he's been, I'd say, roughly at this level for at least ten years, and this has probably been one of his better years. I mean, it is part. It is kind of held back a bit because of the lack of the crowds. But I, you know, I looked up some of the matches that had just been like recommended, and I've wasted so much time after that. After that, just being on the fucking WWE network, just just watching random Sheamus matches. Whenever I see him, he's on. He's also on the show. I just go and watch his match as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've well, never been wanna... disappointed. Of his matches for sure. No, like if you, want, if you want an example, there's a match with he had a fucking load of matches with Drew Galloway, so I can't remember which one I'm talking. Drew McIntyre, I'm being a, an indie nerd there. I didn't do that on purpose, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, please edit that out of the podcast. Yeah, so he, had, he had a pretty fucking awesome match with Drew McIntyre, and Ellie did it again then. And the first like six or seven minutes of it, it looks like fucking like battle arts or futen. You know, <laughs> on roll. Yeah. You know, just the way he was working with just really, really, really tight holes and just like whacking like fists and elbows. I just punched myself in the chest to like <laughs> <laughs> You gave yourself the like, uh that was a bit the, pointless. The, the Valkyrie or whatever the hell that move's yeah. called. Yeah, but those matches just don't look like WWE style at all. Um, not just because of like the stiffness, although of course they are for every fucking stiff. It's Sheamus and Drew, but yeah. the how they were making it, they were incorporating like really like snug holes into it as well. And the start of that match, it was almost like one of my favorite matches of the year. Like unfortunately for me, then they kind of like lost the thread a little bit and went into a more like standard WWE match with the kickouts and whatever. I still thought it was really fucking great. The fast lane match. Um, which I believe was like false count anywhere, not false count anywhere, no hold bar, whatever it's called. That was really fucking great as well. Uh, Seamus, he's one of the best wrestlers of the last ten of the last ten years, and you said it yourself. You very rarely, even if it's a completely random, no stakes ten minute TV match, are you going to find a Seamus match which isn't isn't good? So I think he's worthy of being any of these lists, provided that he sticks a few great matches on top, which he has this year. You know, that's cool because my number 13, I think, is a someone who's very similar uh, in that they're, they've just been one of the best wrestlers for the last decade. And as long as they're getting opportunities to have some 
matches. Uh, they they should probably be high on your list because they're awesome. And that's um, pardon my pronunciation. Tusukawa <laughs> Fujimoto from Ice Ribbon. Uh, what number was she? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, I have a bit higher. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, who's your thirteen then? Uh, my number thirteen is John Moxley. Yeah, I, I don't know Moxley, uh, but I, I know he's been the, uh, a little bit of the rave this year. So why don't you uh, talk about him? Yeah, he's one of the ones who's high, and it's um, it's another one where it's more just about how good the matches were. I know I talk about I talk about like my rankings is mainly on that a lot, but uh, a lot of why he's high is because I think he. Especially with his title reign, although a lot of that is 2020, he really like fucking carried AEW throughout the pandemic, and you know that kind of thing that could really have like ruined, you know, like a new company because yeah. they'd only been going. What was it like? I mean, Dynamite. They'd been going like four months or five yeah, months. Was it? Out. Yeah, it started like September, or October, or August, somewhere in there. Yeah, and then they had to have like a year and a half with no fans. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. could have just been sh- that could have been just shit TV. Just killed the whole thing. And John Moxley has been the centerpiece of the promotion pretty much through the entire pandemic period, and he's been pretty consistently entertaining, even if a lot of it is just like promos or just like uh, just incorporating like character stuff into his matches. So he can like follow what's going on, going along with stuff. Uh, the great, the crowning of achievement of his year isn't actually in terms of a match, though. Isn't actually in AEW. It's in what the fuck is it called? It's, it's in Blood Four against Josh Barnett. Have you seen that match? I have not, but ever it's everyone. Yeah, you probably won't. It, but I've been told I would not like it, so <laughs> I didn't watch it. Oh, I don't know. It's not really a shoot style match. It kind of it has a few of those elements, but it's also a fucking bloody brawl. And it just reminds me that Moxley, he is like quite a good like technical wrestler in a kind of gritty way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like he had, a, he had, he wrestled kind of similar to that in the Triple H match, which you were just telling me recently that you were there live for. So and kind yeah. of imagine kind of that match, but a lot more violent and there's blood involved. And you're probably not far off what the Josh Barnett match was like. That probably wasn't a very good way to sell it to you. It was kind of like this Triple H match. But honestly, in this <laughs> one situation, this is one where that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was there live. That match ruled. So uh, if it's like that, um, I might actually watch it. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, ch- I'll put that on my list. Um, let's move on to number 12 then. Uh, someone you had as an honorable mention, uh, Sasha Banks, um, a whopping 47 matches this year. Um, uh, <laughs> but, um, probably one of the more impressive performances by any wrestler of the year. Uh, the, the WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania in front of a crowd, like the first WWE show in front of a crowd. She's in the main event. Uh, she's versus someone who's, um, you know, not experienced in big main events. Um, and like, 
not long before the match started, they had to cut like 10 minutes. Um, and also, like, the emotions were running so high, like, so high at the beginning of the match. Like, uh, Bianca was like, you know, she's she's crying like the the and somehow uh, that match, you know, one of the greatest matches of all time. Uh, so big props to her. Uh, if it was just that match, she probably wouldn't have made my list. Um, but I watched a bunch of random Raws or Smackdowns or the fuck they're called. Uh, and uh, she had a lot of really good performances at the later end of the year. Um, uh, like all the matches I watched were all like good uh or they were ruined by things that weren't her fault <laughs> which uh you know if she's making awesome. me think a match is good when everything else around it's shit <laughs> so um big props to her for that and like you know sasha's to me one of the greatest wrestlers like of the last decade she's 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 in that probably top 10 um and yeah she she definitely Got to show some of it this year, but uh, not enough to make the top ten because, like, uh, like we said, she like missed the whole like summer, and um, there was some you know no crowds and all this weird shit <laughs> going on. But uh, uh, I give her some promo the best I can. Now she probably would have slipped onto my list if we didn't have that. Whatever the fuck happened to her in the summer? <laughs> no, was was she filming? Was she filming the Star Wars show, or was it just like contract disputes? I don't even know. Uh, I mean, this is just me speculating, so I may just be completely fucking wrong. But I suspect what happened is she got a concussion. Oh, that will do it too. Because <laughs> well, WWE, somebody fucking shady about when people get concussions. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently, they... just wasn't really known if she was going to be able to make the show or not. And that she was like backstage at some point before, which makes me think that what was going on is they were putting her through concussion protocols. Uh, yeah, and, and then nothing else. Battle if if she was out, no, she's not going to be able to do the show, in it? Yeah. That was. That I was don't quite know. I'm just... show. That was quite the booking at SummerSlam. Um, but we don't have to go into that. But uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Plus, you know. Um, if I'm doing these lists to make my final GWE list, like anytime I can get uh, Sasha some extra points <laughs> for that overall list, I gotta do it. Uh, I gotta game the system somehow. Well, 25, uh, 25 <laughs> small numbers, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who's your number 12? My number 12 is the highly controversial Volta. Oh, uh, Gunther. I am never going to call him that. <laughs> I'm not against that. There's nothing wrong with WWE changing like someone's name from the Indies to give him a new character, whatever. I get that. But this is totally different. The guy has been on WWE TV for fucking three years now. He's been on like a Survivor Series. You can't just change his name now. They changed Keith Lee's name and he was on Raw for like a, a year. <laughs> oh, no, they gave him a nickname. That's not the same. Oh, okay, sorry. I mean, you can also change someone's name if it's part of a storyline, but this is just fucking ridiculous. They just changed his name, but nowhere acknowledged that they've changed his name. He's just called Gunther now. And so now it just looks like a continuity error. <laughs> but that's 2022. So what about Walter in 2021? Yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. 
Uh, Walter is this high for me because he doesn't have that many matches. But I just fucking love the way he wrestles. You know, and you're probably working out the kind of wrestling that I tend to like. Yeah, yeah. You know, he hits he hits people really fucking hard, but he doesn't seem dangerous. I mean, just for example, Jim Cornette, who I, don't, I wouldn't usually quote him because he has terrible opinions on a lot of things, but I do think he knows what he's talking about when he says that someone like Walter is not actually a dangerous wrestler. He just knows how to make it look like he's really hurting someone, but all he's going to do is he's going to make them sore in the morning. He's not really risking injuring people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, all his matches for me are all just really fucking good because I just love the fucking way he approaches wrestling. Uh, I think the best match he had of the year was against Ilya Dragunov. That was at an NXT show. That match got a lot of pre hype. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just really super dramatic match. They've had a lot of matches before. I think I probably preferred the matches in WXW just because... And there's not there's nothing to do with how the matches have worked. It's just at the time, they kind of just felt more important because... They were like changing or popularizing a kind of new style of wrestling on the indies. I love those whereas, matches at the time. Kind of, whereas in NXT, it kind of it kind of has a sense of like none of this really matters. It's just like good wrestling in a vacuum. To get, what I mean, yeah, yeah. But even with that little drawback, because like in 2017, 2018, he's like possibly number one or at least close to number one for the year for me. Uh, but for this year. Uh, there's a really, there's also another really lovely match which is getting Rampage Brown. Uh, it was kind of hilarious to me because the commentary makes out that Rampage Brown is like one of the most legendary wrestlers in British history or whatever, even though like fucking no one has even heard of him. <laughs> Unless you were following like British wrestling in the early 2010s, but even like loads of fans now did not know who the fuck Rampage Brown was. Uh, and then they have just like a four star four star match where they just batter the fuck out of each other. <laughs> Yeah. Did they book uh, Walter or Sheamus yet? Uh, no, but they obviously should. Yeah. Like, come now, on. All these, all these fucking wrestling with are all these like NXT, U- NXT UK people. <laughs> so. Like A-Kids and That's a really like great like cat and mouse style match. They're like oh, the yeah. opposite to that like, Rampage Brown match who Rampage Brown is another like really big guy. Yeah, uh, uh, NXT UK, a strange place to watch. Yeah, I was gonna say NXT UK. Like, you know, um, I don't, I don't think we even considered someone like Miko Satamora, who's like one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, um, because they're in NXT <laughs> UK. And, like, what are they doing? <laughs> no, Mako is probably like the lesser version of Walter on that show. That's weird. <laughs> She's, she's worth checking out. She has like a lower quality of opponents than Walter has because there just aren't really that many good people who are to wrestle. Like, I'm trying to think who have I seen Mako wrestle this year? You know, Kaylee Ray is probably her only opponent, I think, who is actually like actively good. I probably just upset a lot of other people by saying that. <laughs> I don't even know who's on that roster, so I can't get that. You can watch Mako have a three star match with fucking everyone. Yeah, that's fair. Isn't you know what? If I watch YouTube? that stuff, is there a crowd? There's no crowd, eh? Uh, there starts being a crowd about uh, 
at some point. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've only watched like the occasional like cherry pick stuff, so I don't remember exactly. But there are, there is a crowd towards the end of the year, small crowd. Okay. Yeah, I, I should check out some Miko because there is a really awesome. good match actually. Miko has with Ginny. Oh yeah, that sounds fun. Which you might enjoy, and all, all of the matches are quite short. I think the longest match she's had all year is like twelve minutes, so it's not like a huge investment of your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you can do that and you can find out how Mako's actually kind of like Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, with all that yeah, said, like that. Walter's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going off talk about Miko as we usually do. Um, but let's get our last people in before the top ten. Uh, my number 11 is someone you had lower, uh, the before mentioned Starlight Kid, who, um, well, yeah, number 11 for Starlight Kid. Uh, so good on her for being able to. make that that great before and after uh, uh, the turn. Um, how do you do that in one year? So um, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, that was uh, a bit to me as well. Yeah. And the, you know, the high speed stuff is all great, uh, but she also has the, the, the heel work uh, and, you know, the before bench and Julia match, uh, the the you know the all the high speed title stuff uh, the Mayu match uh, from the Grand Prix I thought was super great, um, but uh, I, I love watching her even like. Sorry, Do you know how long that Mayu match was? No idea. Six minutes. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, maybe like. How do I put this? It's not the best like six minute match ever. But it's probably the best six minutes match ever, which feels like really epic and full of like storylines. I had that eight out of ten on my, my ratings. So um wow. Extremely uh, it's extremely efficient how much they got into that fucking six minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's that I, I had no idea. That's all wild. Played off like them being like two former tag team partners. And despite like Starlight Kid like leaving Mayu on her own to just do her own shit now. She <laughs> still has this like you know a little bit similar to what I was talking about with Mia Yamashita and Tokyo Joshi like Starlight Kid needs to like get a win over Mayu at some point and also there's the fact that in the Grand Prix at that point if Starlight Kid had beaten Mayu Iwatani in that match she would have won her block and went to the final but that ain't gonna happen because Mayu ain't <laughs> never gonna let Starlight beat her. And you just uh, see that all that out just in those six minutes. It was a wonderful match. Yeah, a tremendous, tremendous match. Um, I also, yeah, I just wanted to point out uh, Koguma, uh, who uh, Starlight Kid has just amazing chemistry with, but uh, Koguma wasn't wrestling most of the year, so I, I couldn't put her on my list. But uh, uh, man, anytime those two are in the ring together, it's like magic to me. Uh, just unbelievable stuff with them. Also, Starlight uh, Kid hits Oh, but she throws her elbows. <laughs> yes, she does. Uh, like 99 pounds or whatever. She somehow hits harder than <laughs> almost everyone else. 
<laughs> she does. And some of the best character work of any wrestling. Very good voice as well. Yeah. She's, she's you know when she just like goes, ah, people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like freaking out, like screen capturing and sharing that with people, like all of her promos during her heel turn. <laughs> Um, because I was so love, in love with it. Uh, so big out props to her. My last person outside the top 10. Who's your last person outside the top 10? Uh, my last person outside the top 10, who you mentioned just earlier, Sukasa Fujimoto from Ice Ribbon. Oh, nice, nice. Yes. Uh, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised myself of how highly I've ranked her this year. Considering why? I was going on. Because I was going on for ages, like a while back. Talking about how Arisa Kojima's better. <laughs> I'm fucking ranked her this year. And I've got Sakasa at number 11. But yeah, Sakasa just had the better year this year, haven't she? The problem uh, with that Kojima for me is I couldn't find any much footage. <laughs> uh, there is footage out there. It's just, uh, well, you can just ask me and I'll send it to you, innit? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but Fujimoto definitely had some big matches. She had a match. Uh, with um, someone else's name I can't pronounce, uh, uh, Tizkushi Haruka uh, from November 13th, which made yeah. my top 10 match of the lit year list. Um, you can just and... call it Skush. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah that was uh, year as well. <laughs> and I'm glad you ranked them so I don't feel so like out on a limb there uh, with her. But uh, yeah, she she's great. Just like every time she appears, even if it's like maybe not even a uh, a great match, just she's always performing well. A really great match at uh, the start of the year against Suzuki as well. Was that in twenty twenty one? I think it was. No, no, yeah, twenty twenty one, January twenty third. Okay, yeah, I should look this shit up before I start talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but she's had a bunch of like. Uh, one of the problems with Ice Ribbon is they've got a streaming service. But you know what I'm going to say, don't you? They upload all their events like fucking four months after they happened. Yeah, it's very weird. So I can talk about how good she was up until like September of 2021. And everything else, uh, thankfully, Samurai, Samurai TV have broadcasted a few Ice Ribbon shows, so I managed to get to see her off the big matches that way anyway. Uh, another really good match she had was against uh, forgotten a fucking name Ibuki Hoshi. Am I t- remembering the name right? Uh, that's a, that's that a really right. unique match. Out if you haven't watched yeah. it. Um, yeah, I. And obviously, I like it because they hit each other really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, Fujimoto can do that for sure uh, when she wants to. Um, and you also get the fun thing, like with a lot of her matches, when you're watching them, you can watch her watch them at the same time, like in the corner. Um, <laughs> you don't get that yeah. with every other wrestler. That's, um, that's Nico Pro streaming. They call it streaming service, <laughs> even though most of the events they have are fucking pay per view, so you need to pay more for that anyway. So it's a pretty fucking stupid streaming service. It, it certainly is. <laughs> Yeah. Make your product easier to watch. It's definitely better for everyone. Um, but before we get into our top tens, we're just going to take a tiny Ooh. break so I can refill my water. Ooh. 
my favorite songs are slow and sad. All my favorite people make me mad. And we're back uh, with our top tens of 2021. I'm here with uh, Cadaveri. Uh, <laughs> I always just say Cad in my head that I had to like pause and think for a second uh, of how to say that name now that I've been corrected. Um, but let's uh, let's move into our top tens. Um, and my number ten is uh, Mayu Iwatani, who um, I think we both love. Yeah, I had her a lot lower. Yeah, uh, I can see that. I, I I contemplated putting her lower. Um, yeah, why'd you put her high? Well, I love her. <laughs> I loved her longer than you fucking loved her. Well, that ain't no fucking explanation. Because I just um, not that it's her fault or nothing. I think, actually, someone posted this somewhere else, that 2021 is the first year that Mayu's not had a title in stardom since 2012. That's wild. Yeah, so her ranking 2023 for me is still pretty impressive considering how she's just not really been the focus of the promotion all year. Yeah, she has a lot of, like, um, like... There's a lot of stuff I love, especially like the Grand Prix. I thought she was tremendous throughout it all. Um, it's just like none of it's like really big matches. Uh, and I think I do. Uh, I, I like the the Tam singles match from October 9th a lot more than you um, as like a, a big, really great match. Um, no, I like that much. Oh, good. Uh, but and, and the stuff against Marvelous, I, I liked all that. Um, and it, it, like even see the thing is like uh, you know me and you um we watch like a ton of like these house shows and stuff and even if they're not like blow away matches that are making your spreadsheet like every time you watch mayu it's it, it, it's she's working like good and it, and she looks good in it and it just you know it just might not be um a match that is meant to be great um uh, but you know she's she's doing the best you can in the situations that she's in, I think, most of the time. She did a moonsault off a ladder. <laughs> she did do that, too. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, props. She, like, destroyed the entranceway. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I seen her, like, trip a few times, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she did a promo for the Tokyo Joshi show. Oh, did she? Yeah, she she told everyone like uh something that I'll be seeing you all on October the 9th in Osawa Gymnasium. And then someone shouted her, that's the Tokyo Joshi Pro, that's not our show. <laughs> I also saw her I like do a press conference them. where she like said the name of the arena yeah. wrong like ten times in a row. <laughs> so. Yeah, but to be fair, that is a really hard word to pronounce. Like, who the fuck named that? Even even the native speakers of Japanese can't pronounce that properly. It's not just ours. It's not just ours. <laughs> Very fair. But uh, yeah, Mayu. Um, yeah, to, like there's not the huge matches because she didn't get the showcase, but um, she she's still great. Like I, I like based on her performances and the way I saw her, uh, like any opportunity she had, she would. She, it would have been great. Like, I think she performed as best as she could in the way she was booked. 
Uh, I think she did have a couple of big matches, really. I mean, not as many, not as many as she usually does. Like twenty twenty, twenty twenty was her year, really. I think she's probably like if we did this for twenty twenty, she'd probably be my number one. Uh, there's the Yoshiko match in the Budokan, and also this is kind of a big match on the opening night of the the Grand Prix match against Momo, where Momo debuted the Peach Bomb. Yeah, that match rules. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So she did rule in those big matches. So, um, yeah. but there was a lot of great people in Stardom this year. So uh, she is hurt by that too. Cool. Uh, but who's your number ten? Uh, my number 10, you're going to laugh at me for this one. I think it is deserved. It's Roman Reigns. I have him uh, higher. You have him higher? I have him higher. I'm not sure if you're joking or not. I'm not joking. I love Roman Reigns. You really got him higher than 10 for this year. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Roman Reigns is awesome. I love Roman Reigns. Um... Number nine. I think you were really watching WWE this year. That's why I was just a bit surprised you've actually oh. got my other I, I I watched like a hand so like I, I watched a handful of his performances enough to know that he is as great as he is. Um so that's that's okay. the way I look at it. Like so like what I'm gonna... doing like previous years, right? I'm like right. I'm watching like, you know, three to four to like six matches of someone and being like how great were they? Uh, and I did that with Roman, and he passed that test. So, uh, cool. Number nine, uh, I yep. have uh, Bianca Belair. I don't know if you have her or not. No, I did not have her. Uh, a similar reason for Sasha should be on there for a pretty small amount of matches. And I think Bianca isn't as good in them as Sasha is, so I can't really rank her either. Um, yeah, I, I can see that argument. In my original list, I had Sasha higher, uh, but I forgot that the uh, the Bailey Hell in the Cell match, which I absolutely loved, um, was existed. <laughs> that match was so damn good, uh, and like that's two just unbelievable matches for the year. Uh, I, I watched, like I said, some random Raws and Smackdowns, uh, and uh, she had a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, uh, even like uh, the Extreme Rules match with Becky was actually pretty good, um, uh, but yeah, she she she's a uh, yeah she she was in one of the best matches of all time, so that definitely helps her case, even if she wasn't the star of that. Um, but uh, I, I think the the Bailey uh, Hell in a Cell match uh, really helps her uh, kind of be like you know if you have two matches that fucking great, you got to get into the top ten. In my head. I'm a bit the opposite on the Bailey match. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that one. So, yeah, if you didn't like that, that, that would make sense. I'm not disagreeing so much on the quality of the match. I'm just not sure if it helps Bianca because I kind of think that Bailey just totally walked her through that one. Very possible. Um, very possible. Uh, yeah, th- that's the weird thing like that I kind of had trouble that. with her, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's it's difficult like when you're producing such great stuff but maybe it's not your fault uh, how much credit you should get <laughs> but but you are producing that great shit um 
Yeah, that, that's something I'm gonna have to think about over time. Be like, okay, like here's all these great matches you were in, but maybe you weren't the reason they were great each time. But you were in them and you contributed in a way. Um, and I, I think, I think uh, with her, she is like very high on like the intangibles. Yeah, like she has this yeah, amazing athleticism. Yeah, and like legit that but sometimes those, yeah and those hair spots like no one else is doing those and those those are so unique and cool um yep so yeah no one else is like that's something she has that no one else has um so she, she <laughs> in that military the one from wrestlemania like that's one of the best military yeah that's, I've ever seen. Yeah, that's insane um who do you have number nine uh, my number nine is the aforementioned Mio Momono. Okay. I can't remember the name either. It's a fucking tongue twister. Mio Momono. It is. It is a tr- t- tricky one. Uh, man, she's 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 one of my like people that I've watched less of because of where she works. But every time I she she's popped up in the stuff I've seen, she's just unbelievable. Um, just like one of the fastest wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh, and it, it's so enjoyable to watch her, but uh, what's your spiel on her? Uh, I should make a gif of this really, because I think it sums up really well. It's the Hanukkah Memorial show, the, uh, the eight woman tag where there's a spot where Mia Momono, she runs up the ropes and she drop kicks both of the tag partners on the apron, the opposite side. One foot drop kicks the other one in the face, and the other foot drop kicks the other one in the face in like quick succession. Do you know? Can you picture what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she does that. It's really fucking impressive. She lands on her feet, and the best bit of the spot is not any of the actual wrestling moves she does. The best bit of the spot is the fucking cheeky grin she has on the face right afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, like bonus That's points of being like just, the really fucking good face. Yeah, and, and I got Um, and I, I want to say she was like the star to me of the the Gaia, um, marvelous Sendai girls, uh, stuff. Like every time she popped yeah, up, yeah. When she got fucking injured, that angle just died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was tremendous and all that. Yeah, you can't dig her stuff out. She, there is a lot of footage on her. It's just in like awkward to find places. Yeah, uh, and I suggest you do because everything uh, really stands out. Um, I think the Gaia stuff, uh, the the Sendai girls, marvelous stuff was kind of like her the standout stuff I saw. But um, there was other stuff too. Like uh, there's that that tag. I, I think it was this year that the tag where Azumi and like Starlight Kid came uh, to marvelous, and that was like tremendous too. Uh, yeah, and the other. If, I, if you want yeah. to find Mio Momono matches, one of the easiest ways to do it is just find out how to write a name in Japanese, put it in YouTube, and put in 2021. Because actually... Sendai, they both put a lot of stuff on YouTube, but it's all the the titles of the of the videos are all in Japanese, so you're gonna have to learn how to put in the, the wrestler's name in Japanese to find them. Yeah, that's actually a great point to do. Like that's how I found. Uh... 
uh, Command Bolshoi's channel, and all of her titles are all Japanese. Um, but yeah, my web browser, I do the the translate to English, and it's uh, it, it gives you like a long list of all these great matches, except for Kana, Oscar. Uh, like hers, instead of translating it to English, just translates to Chinese character. Um, <laughs> so that amuses me every time I see That's it. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, like when you try- Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's great stuff. Um, okay, number eight. Yeah. Uh, someone uh, you go number eight. My number eight is someone you mentioned earlier. Uh, the other uh, girl from Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, Mikey Ito, uh, who also worked, um, you know, AEW and DDT and Noah, kind of uh, places affiliated with Tokyo Joshi Pro. <laughs> um, no, I didn't know about this. She did a Noah match, yeah. Uh, I don't have the okay. match in front of me, but uh, she did at least one match on a Noah show. Uh, but yeah, to me, um, when I started watching the 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 Mio Yamashita matches, the name I can't pronounce, um, I, I started with like the Mika matches, and um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, her 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 ability to carry her character and her charisma um, is just absolutely outstanding. Um, And it it makes almost every one of her performances uh, like must watch almost like uh, she didn't have the, like the, the Yamashita match I have like as high end, but um, it was just, it was more of a cumulative thing. Like every time I saw her, I was like, just, like transfixed watching her um that that's kind of why i have her so high uh not based on like these are the great matches but just like watching her uh in 2021 is just just awesome to do <laughs> yeah i think what put her over the edge i had a one spot higher than your master on my list was her run in whatever tokyo joshi project i'm gonna say that again because Fucking out, fucked it all up. <laughs> I think what put a one spot in my list over high, over Mia Yamashita because I had a one spot higher is her run in whatever Tokyo Joshi Pro's version of the G1 is. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Princess Cup, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Princess um, Cup, yeah. Yeah, so she obviously just decided, I mean, she fucking won the thing, so it's a good reason to be motivated that she's going to have the best match possible on every single fucking one of those shows. Uh, the matches against Shoko Nakajima and Mizuki are both like really great. People should watch them as well as the uh, Mia Yamashita matches if you want to get into her. And also, just the story of her just becoming way fucking better this year. Yeah, she's not someone who I really would have thought of having in you know anywhere like near this high, like in my top twenty of the workers of the year, because she was always just seen. I mean, not just me, a lot of people in general as being more of like an entertaining character character thing rather than someone who has great matches. But now she has fucking great matches as well. Yeah, if you could be an entertaining character and also have great matches, that's <laughs> that's mad props. Like, that's going to get you. Yo, that's, the way you that's the way you fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. Also, any, any type uh, of match of her with, with you, you, me, your master, they're all like pretty good. Yeah, for sure. There is there is one which you probably won't like, actually. So that, that maid one. in it, 
Tokyo Joshi Pro. <laughs> so maybe skip that one for you. Everyone else, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I did watch that one. It, I think that's the one that got me grumpy. Um, but <laughs> who do you have as your number eight? Uh, my number eight. And if you've got this person in your list, I will donate all the money you've paid me to, for appearing on this podcast to charity. Nice. My number eight is Yuki Ueno. No, I don't have them. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Sorry. I have no idea who that is. Sorry, Pink Flag. You get no money today. Uh, but why don't you enlighten me on this person? Okay. Uh, now that I picked this person, I realize I'm going to have to just talk about them by myself because I'm being a fucking weirdo <laughs> picking people who nobody knows who they are. <laughs> you know, it's someone who... Actually, I had seen a couple of their matches before, but I didn't really remember them. Uh, I've only really like discovered in the last like month or so. Part of my like binge watching. Uh, they're from DDT. Uh, they're a pretty boy. We have to get out right at the start. That is clearly what his fucking gimmick is. <laughs> and he's just a really, really fucking good, like fiery underdog babyface kind of thing. Uh, but he also has really fucking great mat work. This is what, like, sparked me commenting, like, can someone explain how does DDT now have, like, better mat work than fucking New Japan does? Because that used to definitely be the other way around. But he's just this, uh... He's one of the best guys who I think, someone who I just didn't really know who was, and I find my, found myself just... Just rooting for him in all his matches. And that's, I just like check pretty much everything now. And yeah. I don't really know much about him, so I can't talk about him so much. <laughs> this is just what I found out, if you get what I mean. Um yeah. I've got so I've made notes of the matches that I really loved. Um there's him against uh I'm gonna pronounce mispronounce these names because I don't know who these people are. I've just been checking out DDT later. Uh Yusuke Okada, who I like okay. a lot more better than Kazuchika Okada this year. Uh, he's had a couple of good, really good matches with uh, Yukio Sakaguchi. All his opponents have got names beginning with Y for some reason. And he had a really good tag well uh, at the Cyber Fight Festival. This was also the show which had that really great New Year Master versus um, what's her name? The Magical Flying Girl, Yuka Sakazaki. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just on yeah, I think that's the match before that on the show. I watched the last like four or five matches or something. And he has a particularly good performance in that match as well. So Yuki Ueno, I didn't even know who he was a month ago, but everyone should check him out. He's one of the best uh, like wrestlers, at least from my perspective, to really like come to prominence in the last year or so. Yeah, that's that sounds like someone I, like people would like... Uh... And who doesn't love like that's so old school, like a pretty uh boy underdog baby face. Like that's that's basically what the eighties was. Um <laughs> so if they're doing that again, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Because I'm sure if the crowds were allowed to make noise, like <laughs> it would just be like all the fucking female crowds <laughs> females <laughs> in the crowd screaming for him. <laughs> Which is needed sometimes. Um Hi. Uh, my number seven is uh, the before-mentioned Roman Reigns. Um, Go on, I, I watched a handful of matches. 
<laughs> and um, when you watch a handful of matches of someone you've seen a lot of before, and you realize they are still great. Um, and uh, like, for example, he main evented SummerSlam and WrestleMania. And I thought both of those were absolutely amazing, and his performances were so great in those. Um, and then I watched a couple random shit that was all really good too. Um, so Roman Reigns, like as long as yeah. he's performing, he he he's 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 like a top ten wrestler. I, I don't think like he can't not be a top ten wrestler as long as he's you know in the main event picture like he is and having matches. Did you watch the 35-minute match with Edge? Uh, no, because I'm not a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've watched that one, and that may have uh, dropped him a few spots. I may be being a bit harsh there. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess I could find some stuff. <laughs> he clearly does have a lot of pull. Like, he gets to have the matches he wants. So I think in his head, he's may have thought that that was match was a good idea. Or at least Edge convinced him it was. Uh, well, if, that's just the one mark against his year, I think, where if, Yeah, that wasn't very good, was it? Um, did you <laughs> see the uh, the Ray match? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, too. Yeah, another... I mean, just talking about Ray generally in terms of like greatest wrestlers ever. There's 2021's another year where he's having fucking great matches, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ray's someone that could have snuck onto these lists for sure. Um, just based on being Ray and getting opportunities, he's he's someone that you know he, he's someone that you should, you should definitely be considered. Uh, yeah, yeah. I basically give people at least a very small amount of kind of. You know, imaginary points for just being like actively good. Yeah, for sure. You know, for each year, which I think Ray, he, he couldn't really make a list like this, but he has been actively good in 2021 still. Yeah, I've actually I've found a way to accumulate that into my my uh, my calculations. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it. that in the future. Yeah, I got a I got a formula for that. Uh, thought up it hasn't been implemented yet but definitely there um <laughs> but uh who do you have at number seven i assume not ray now but uh, uh no my number seven no it's not ray mysterio uh my number seven is Ed eddie kingston oh yeah yeah um uh, i mentioned him earlier um eddie kingston yeah, you had he's been great great forever uh, but had a year where he was actually showcased in a big company for the first time so um, and some had some stellar matches. Uh, so why don't you, you talk about uh, our good friend, yeah. Eddie Kingston. I really need to check out early Eddie Kingston. I mean, I was, I didn't know who he was and everything. I've seen the odd match here and now and then, but I don't think I've ever like deep dived his like indie stuff. Oh, I watched like all of Shakara for like a long period. Yeah, and it was tremendous. Uh, I do remember him uh, matching Chicago against Quack. I mean, this is like 10 years ago, probably, but I remember <laughs> thinking that was really great. And yeah, there's lots of those. But uh, 2021, yeah, Eddie, you can make a long list of his great matches there. Yeah, Eddie's in, Eddie's in there. There's another one where a significant part is, I think, how he incorporates his like character into the matches. And like, 
It's not so much him putting him in there for his promo. It's more that he does a promo and then he wrestles the match in the as the person who just did that promo. Do you get what I mean? There's a there's a yeah, good yeah. like connection between the two. Yeah, a lot of wrestlers uh, the, have that problem where they're not connected in any way. Yeah, uh, the CM Punk match, like you know, just fucking wow. I've watched that match about five times. <laughs> only, only happened like two months ago. I'm uh, irrationally high on how good that match was. Uh, both for Eddie and I don't think in my wildest dreams I thought that CM Punk within two months of coming back would put out a match of that quality. That's probably like, that's easily a top 10 CM Punk match ever for me. Um, what has he done this year? I really like his tag team with John Sean Moxley. I like the whole like vibe that they have. I even liked the match they had with the Young Bucks. And uh, just despite having fun of it, despite degenerating into uh, Young Bucks shenanigans, where the referee just becomes a, a complete idiot for like ten minutes. Um, what is this? There's the root. I keep calling him Rusev. The Miro match, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all out. That's one of the better matches of the year as well. But there's one match. This is one I've specifically written down. So I don't forget this one. Because I think this is a bit of a deep cut. Eddie Kingston versus Anthony Hendry. Oh, Anthony Dark. Hendry. That's a <laughs> yeah, name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, this is on Dark on October the 5th. Now, this might be yeah. the best match in Dark history. <laughs> Uh, you're not expecting like to see like a four star march, march, a four star match on dark, are you? Um, not really. No. Uh, someone on Twitter, I think it was um, what's his name, Joseph Montesilo. I think it was him who was. I did. I didn't find this match totally by myself. It was him who just like had like a thread of his like best matches of the year or something, and he had it on there. And I went and checked it out, and yeah, he's not bullshitting. That is a really great match, and I mean. I'm not saying it's just Eddie. Like Anthony Henry is clearly very good as well, but that's yeah. another thing that adds to his case that Eddie Kingston goes on just dark when he's already pretty much <laughs> like a main man on AEW anyway, and just decides just for the YouTube audience, I'm still going to have a really fucking great match here. Yeah, the very few people are uh, doing that on Dark. That's for sure. So yeah. big props to him for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are agreement that this was like a. You know, a huge, huge year for Abby Kingston. So uh, good to see him that high for you. Um, but we're on to number six. Uh, and I got to say, everyone from here on out, I've like, uh, throughout the year, I was pretty much watching every match that they had that I could find. Um, so these, yep. these are all people I, I know and loved uh, from the beginning. So, so that's fun. Uh, my number six is someone that um, either you're going to have number six or higher, but I don't know where. Uh, and that would be uh, Momo Watanabe. Oop. I've got a higher because I'm a silly okay. fanboy. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, so who do you have number six? Uh, my number six is even fucking sillier. Okay. okay. I mean, I was just wondering if you've worked out who it is yet. Um, I don't know. 
Unless I have them. Well, players. I still haven't mentioned them. And you know this person's on my list, and they couldn't, they couldn't be higher than Oh, six. Daniel Bryan. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I forgot. Okay, talk about no. it. No! Oh, my God. Okay. I have no idea. Let's go. <laughs> my number six is Azumi. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, yes. Talk about Azumi while I scroll down <laughs> my list to my notes on her. <laughs> Let's go. Right, so she kind of breaks my little system I've got in my head because she's just so different from everyone else. Oh, she's and so I kind good. of all, like uniqueness in my head. And it's yeah, she's unique. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it kind of it's kind of a little bit unfairly unfair in her favor because it's not necessarily that she has a huge like variety of different kinds of matches herself. It's more that no one else fucking wrestles like she does. So she has a a match which feels different to everyone else in every show that she's on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, she has this unique thing. Like she's so unique and cool. Like uh, the pre-match promos, people are like talking about her unique style and like how they're going to handle it because they don't know what to do. <laughs> like that's 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 when you know you've you've done it. Yeah, she really works. She works really well in the five in the five star Grand Prix as well because almost all of her matches are like under ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And because she's so weird, she can kind of. You know, she pinned both Takumi Aroha and Shuri in that fucking tournament. <laughs> I, I didn't register that as true. Sorry? I didn't register that as true, but yeah, that's... Because like, when yeah, she, she wins... Two of the most protected stars in like Joshi all, to get, <laughs> like, all around. <laughs> but it's the way she and does it. it. Like, she, she's doing these sneaky pins. Yeah, um, any win she gets, um, like, well, not any win she gets. She obviously has that devastating um, top rope double stomp um, that, like, crushes people. <laughs> but uh, when she's not using that to destroy people, she, she's doing some, like, some of the coolest roll-up uh, pins uh, you'll see. Uh, I mean, and she has that, that really works well. It's own name called Azumi Sushi. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think it's in the uh, the um, uh, Fire Pro uh, <laughs> for her. I've never played that Fire Pro game. I mean, I haven't played any fucking computer game which just came out in Lent the last ten years. So I don't know why I felt the need to say that. I know what it is because <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of the great stuff that she's been in. Um. She had a really nice tag tag match with Mei Hoshizuki. Um, both in the on the marvelous anniversary show, which you mentioned, but also there was one a bit earlier on one of the Stardom shows. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, we haven't seen that storyline play out because uh, Mei Hoshizuki has disappeared from wrestling for reasons which have not really been explained. Uh, hopefully, she comes back one day. Uh, I think she was in the best lady C match of the year. That's probably true. What uh? What match is that? So, uh, it's when she teamed with Momo against... Uh, yeah, with the Yunagi and Lady C against Momo and Azumi. Yeah, I think so, I had that. That's probably my favorite Lady C match in the match of the year as well. 
which is awesome. I uh, like the only ABC match, which I thought was like really good. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Lady C slander on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but man, I'm so glad Azumi is so high for you. That makes me happy. She's yeah. so good. Uh, any- I don't think she's been in. It's always been like really entertaining. Uh, yeah, I'm she's, thinking obviously, she's one of yeah. the best opener. Uh, like she's she's really Wait, great um, in that opening, like that three way ta- three way uh, like triangle matches. Like she rules those, and very few people are good at those. So yeah, like just the single one. whole show it was her versus Kagoom and Starlight Kid. Oh, that was unreal. <laughs> yeah, and that's like eight minutes or something. Just a uh, boom, boom, boom kind of thing. I also think that Azumi and Momo Watanabe basically the best tag team in Stardom, or were anyway. They were, yeah. Um, yeah they even had a pretty like, decent match with Julia and Shuri. Yeah, it's sad to see them split up, but um, their feud, like their singles match was amazing So uh, from their feud, so hopefully we get some more of that uh, going forward. They can change their chemistry from being partners to being opponents uh, really well. So, um, Yeah. They had a really good match with each other in 2019 as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to that. Uh, was that your six? I just remembered earlier, you said you really love like unique kickers. Yeah, <laughs> she has that too. When, how did you start following like stardom like quite thoroughly? Um, so there was like a stretch um, when Mayu first won the title, where I did it for like six months to eight months. Uh, and then I fell off, uh, and then I started watching like just the pay-per-views like in late 2020, and then 2021 is where it was like I was like full boarded. Yeah, I'm just thinking for someone who loves unique kickers, yeah, it's kind of like tragic uh, timing, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I need to see more Arisa Hoshika Hoshiki. Yeah, Arisa Hoshiki. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a, f- a couple matches of her, and yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of those for sure uh, as I fill in my gaps. Um, so I think I said number six. Number five. Yeah, number five. Is, yeah, five is someone you don't have. I know that. Um, and that would be Deanna Perrazzo, Um, because you said you don't watch it. Yeah, no way. And... I assume you don't watch you don't watch AAA and you don't watch Beyond and you don't watch um uh Flawless. Okay, good. Um I think I mean Beyond is really a promotion you watch. <laughs> well I watched the I watched the uh I watched you just put matches on YouTube. <laughs> I watch certain wrestlers when they're there. Um Hi. yeah. To me, Deanna Perrazzo, she, she's one of my favorites. Um, but this year, you know, she she led Impact um, and had some great matches with, like, Mickey James and uh, Masha Slamovich and uh, Thunder Rosa. Uh, but she also was, like, the AAA champion, so she had great matches there. Uh, and then she was um, one of the headliners at the... NWA all women's pay-per-view having a really good match with 2021 Molina of all people. Um, <laughs> and then 
Uh, she was constantly on the Beyond shows, having uh, really good matches there. Uh, she just working kind of all over the place, um, and went from like, like I would always say, like a, an undercard worker to like being like an ace worker uh, this year. Um, you know, being the double champion uh, and working all over the well, all over North America, I guess. <laughs> Uh, which uh, for 2021 is the best you can do. Um, and she's so good at, uh, you know, the technical wrestling, obviously, and her character work has become tremendous this year. But I also saw her in some amazing brawls uh, and working great underneath, too. So um, kind of very versatile this year. Uh, and, like, I wrote out what promotions you worked for, and it's, like, over 12, <laughs> which is kind of crazy for uh, for. 20 uh 2021 so uh, i want uh, i i got her up as as high as i felt i could yeah this is probably the biggest one where i just like flat out don't really see what you're seeing here <laughs> yeah I've, I've been told that <laughs> with her yeah did what actually i've realized that i have watched an impact match from 2021 because i watched that diana prazo versus um mercedes martinez match oh okay sorry not mercedes i said that wrong Mickey James, Mickey James, yeah, the Bound for Glory one. Yeah, I watched that match. Uh, I thought it was just average though. <laughs> <laughs> I had that eight out of ten, I like that a lot. Um, but one yeah. uh, <laughs> um, match, I think Diana Prazo I've seen recently. Actually, this is twenty twenty two. I've just realised uh, was against Roxy. Yeah, that was really good. That's not even her best match yeah, this year so far. More than these games matches. Oh yeah, um, the, she's had a great start to 2022. She's looking to uh, again get my list, but uh, Diana Praza might be my like uh, Azumi for you, uh, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, who's who's your number five? Uh, my number five. You're probably working out the rest as we speak now. It's Momo Watanabe. All right, I had six, so we're pretty close on that one. Um, so uh, I know you're a bigger mark for Momo than me, so uh, why don't you go off? You know, if someone as good as Momo had just been this good for like four years, in so many other different eras, people would talk about her a lot more higher in it. Yeah. Yeah, imagine yeah. if she was this good from like 1992 to 1996. Yeah, no, completely. Like, there's a... a bit more lost in the shuffle at that point, to be honest. But let's say if she was in JWP, even probably. Yeah, uh, it it's really depends on the time. If it was like, um, you know, like 2006 to 2010, <laughs> then no one would talk about her because no one watches that from Joshi. Yeah, but I just think, I mean, actually, this year there isn't so much of a problem because people are paying attention to Joshi again because Dave Meltz has started giving him star ratings. But she, I'd say she's been at roughly this level from the start of 2018, like to now, just consistently all the way through. And she was even like, she was even like really pretty good. She was inconsistent before then, but she still has really good performances as far back as like 2016 when she had a tag team jungle Kiona called JK Green, spelt with about four different E's. <laughs> um, yeah. she, really, she really stands out in the present in the present climate. 
because she is like the total opposite of what I was moaning about Tall Sire about. Like when she hits people, she really looks like she's trying to like fucking hurt them. Yeah, she's vicious. Unlike a, she she's more like vicious. Ten times. Yeah, man. The match against Mayu, which I mentioned earlier, the first uh, on the first day of the Grand Prix. Like I knew that was gonna be a match like before the fucking like, the look <laughs> on Momo coming out. Like, she's, like, she's gonna something. Uh, and uh, uh, I, th- I think we should mention the uh... sorry. Uh, so- uh, I think I think we should mention the uh, Surrey match from the final the uh, the finals of the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, I was just gonna mention it as well. Yeah, one of the greatest matches. Uh, like that match was fucking insane, uh, insanely great. Uh, I've seen some people say it was like the best Joshi match in like twenty years, because <laughs> um, uh, they loved it so much. But uh, um, yeah, Momo, uh, like just uh, she really, she's so fucking good and she's so young. And um, it's just such a joy to watch. And uh, yeah, I actually have a lot of tag matches now that you mentioned it uh, on my list from her from great matches this year. Um, uh, yeah, she's really been a great tag. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so. Like, I mean, this is not 2021, but Momo Watanabe and Jungle, Jungle Kiona, if you add it up, are probably one of the best stardom tag teams ever. <laughs> and you could say that about the Momo and Azumi tag team too, right? Like, yeah. And uh, also the Momo Starlight Kid tag team going forward might be on that level too. Uh, but yeah, yeah Momo thing you should is you know she had a tag match in Seedling last year. Yeah, I I, I didn't see it, see but when one. I was making my list. I saw that she worked a seedling show, and I was curious about what that was, but I didn't get time to look into that. Yeah, you should watch that match. That's one of the best tag tag matches of the year. That's another thing which is like up to case for me, especially when she was tagging with Sayida, who uh, is someone who she's never like ever. It was just a totally (laughs) makeshift tag team to go against uh, the seedling too, and they just (laughs) just looks like they've been tagging for ages. It was just perfectly great. Yeah, and this is someone who you need to keep your eye on going forward because they're they're building their GWE case very easily, even though they're like twenty four. <laughs> uh, no, I think she's actually twenty one. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's pretty great, like before her eighteenth birthday. <laughs> oh my god! Unreal. Um. So let's move on to number four. Uh, and this is someone I think uh, I think we talked about this before the uh, the podcast started. Uh, but this is the person who made my uh, my notebook more than anyone else this year. And that was uh, Tom Nakano. Um, I think you said you had lower. Yeah, I had it at 22. Yeah. Um, uh, unabashed Tam Mark. Um uh, I absolutely adore her, and I think she's one of the uh, the most um, sympathetic baby faces we've seen in a long time. Uh, and um, if you put that, like, if she was just that, that would be one thing. But 
uh, the amount of matches of hers that I absolutely love this year, um, uh, from the the hair match with Julia to the the Mayu match we mentioned earlier, uh, the 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 end of the year uh, match where she lost the uh, the Wonder of Stardom match with Saya uh, Kamatani, um, uh, and then I I can just go on because she was <laughs> she's all over my spreadsheet through the whole year, um, and. There was a couple of disappointing Wonder of Stardom defenses, like uh, the Mina one, um, but like that's against Mina. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> that was a weird thing. Uh, but I do appreciate that um, before every big match she has, she uh, posts a long essay on Twitter uh, explaining the storyline and all these weird, deep uh, back lore. Um, that you might not have known about <laughs> because she clearly puts a lot of thought into yeah. her stuff, um, which makes me appreciate her even more. Um, but yeah, I love Tam and uh, she's becoming more vicious as the year went on, uh, as she was trying to hold on to that title. Uh, uh, like some of her like axe kicks just seemed a lot more violent and she just seemed like uh, now she's she's cutting promos where she randomly says that she's going to rip someone's head off and decapitate them. So she she's definitely uh, developed more of an edge. Watch the 2018-19 stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's great too. Uh, it's so wild seeing that uh, that 2018 stuff because when I first started watching her, she you know she was that that lovable baby face, but. Um, Man, the amount of different people I have uh, Tam against on my uh, spreadsheet is kind of wild, too. Like, the whole roster, pretty much. I, like, name someone from the roster. There's probably an interaction I loved uh, in a match with her in it. Um, but um, I'm a huge uh, Tam Mark, and uh, I love watching her. Uh, so uh, that gets her in the top four for me. Yeah, Tam did once drop uh, the, ed- the metal entrance gateway onto Mayu's neck. <laughs> I think that was 2018. Um, what I'll say about Tam Nakano is I think she's a really great worker in the old sense. I'm not talking about matches here. I'm talking about how she gets people like interested in something or another. And yeah. I think she, in her own kind of way, she like very successfully politicked herself into that Budokan main event. That's fair. Ain't no way was that the original plan that Tam Nakano was going to main event the Budokan when they first started (laughs) planning to do that show, like like about a year out, as far as I'm aware. Uh, But voted by Stardom fans as the best Stardom match of the year. (laughs) Yeah, and she got herself over those fans. And I mean, both the, the, I mean, this won't be for the local fans, this is more for us. But one way she got really over with the Western fans as well, is she's one of the wrestlers who, more than anyone else, she took advantage of doing the pre-match promos before every match that would be subtitled, so we all know what they're saying. So many other people, you know, they just say, hello, my name is this and this, I'm going to try really hard to defeat my promo, Mrs. X today, please support me, bye-bye. You know what I mean? It's all the same thing. And with Stardom, they tend to only really have, like, two, maybe three angles which are going on at any one time, and all the other matches is just, oh, and here's another match, hopefully it'll be good. 
And what Tam Nakano used to, has pretty much always done the entire time she's been at the promotion is that she would use those pre-match promos to just create storylines, even if they weren't even necessarily being booked that way. She would just like fill in the gaps so people would have reasons to be interested in in her matches. Uh, for example, there was the the whole storyline which went on for basically a whole year about her not liking Arisa Hoshki very much because... She like stole Mayu away from her because Mayu was hanging out with Arisa more than Tam now that Arisa come back to the promotion. And I think her just constantly finding ways to make her whatever she was doing, whatever angle she's involved in a bit more interesting is what ended up getting her this main event run. And that's one of the reasons why she's on my list. She's also on my list because she has had some really good matches this year. She's not that high on my list as you though. Because I think she's quite inconsistent. Uh, so she can't really be as high as the likes of like Momo, for example. Yeah, um, I get that. And she wasn't <laughs> as good as never had a title match, as low quality as that Mina match. <laughs> that was some deep lore storytelling. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Pam Nakano is probably on board with. <laughs> But yeah, um, I, one of the things I think that uh, uh, you did mention that kind of uh, part of the reason she is so high for me is she does find a way to get you invested into whatever she's doing, even if what she is doing is nothing. She she does find a way yeah. to like want you to watch that, even if it's like a random tag on a, a random house show in the middle of nowhere you're you're still like oh there's a reason to watch this match because she said so in the promo before that uh draws you in and uh uh yeah big fan of tam uh let's get your number four and then we're almost at the top 30 here my number four who you obviously have higher is shuri yeah uh definitely um <laughs> so moving on uh top three time uh you haven't mentioned this person so i'm gonna assume you have or you missed and i'm curious whichever that is and that is uh thunder rosa uh i did not rank thunder rosa she's similar to sasha banks for me um thunder rosa no, uh it would be on my bw like actually gave her the amount of TV time she really should have had. Okay, so here's the difference then for me, because she had 69 matches last year. Um, she runs her own yeah. promotion, and she's having a big match on those shows each month. Uh, and she worked, like, all over the fucking indies. Um, and I, I kind of seek her out and see all those matches. So that, that might be the difference there. Um to me, she had the best match of AEW for the year with Britt Baker, of all people, in that Lights Out match. Um, yeah, that's why to Sasha, the case would be, it's so much like basically one or two matches. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of really great indie stuff. Um, like Mission Pro, her promotion, she had like a really great cage match with uh, Allison Kay. Um uh, the Mercedes uh, matches uh, on the Indies. Uh, and also you, you get to see Mission Pro because she's the owner, right? Um, that she works a lot of um, talent not on her level. So you get to see her carry some younger people to some really good matches, um, which 
kind of in like longer settings, uh, which to me really helps her case uh, as an all around great wrestler. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think the the Mission Pro stuff uh, really, really adds to her case. Uh, but there's also a lot of uh, other random indie shit that she did throughout the year too, uh, which is all really fun. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this one. It's towards the end of the year, but she had a pretty excellent TV match with Jamie Hayter in AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try to, of all the AEW people, Thunder Rosa uh, and now Mercedes are the two I like kind of seek out all their matches uh, for. Uh, and Punk. Uh, Punk's the other one. Uh, yeah, there's my there's my three AEW favorites. <laughs> all in a nutshell there. But yeah, Thunder Rosa... Ch- ch- Check her out. Uh, like, if you could check her out on the 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 indies, I think it really rounds out her case because obviously, AEW is not putting her on TV all the time. Uh, who's your yeah? Me, me not right. To be honest, may may be more me not seeing her as much as you, rather than a big difference of opinion there. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the case. Like, I'd yeah, like who who the really fuck is yeah. watching? Who the fuck is watching Warrior Wrestler Wrestling and Wrestlecade? And uh, Mission Pro, you know, <laughs> not too many people. So that definitely uh, is, is something that a lot of people are missing. Oh. Uh, who's your three? Uh, my number three. Actually, this probably is the most eccentric pick on the whole list. I don't know what I was talking about earlier with Yuki Ueno. Do you know who my top three are, by the way? Um, I know two of them. You know, you know, sort of. You're pretty sure you know who the three are. I know two for sure. Uh, the third one, I'm, I probably can figure out if I sat down and thought for a second. But I definitely know two. Um. Okay. So my number three. And I was, I've been thinking about this when I was just making the list because I originally had them lower, and then I just kept kind of upping them up. Because I'm just realizing, but I like watching their matches more than these people, so they should be higher. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like balancing in my head. Am I putting them this high because I just want to kind of gloat about how fucking great I think they are in general? Or do <laughs> I really think or do I really think they were the number three wrestler of 2021? And I've just decided Nah, fuck it. Like even rationally, like I had Shuri at number four. I still think this person was better than Shuri in this year for a few little things which they did better. My number three is June Akiyama. Oh yeah, that I wouldn't have guessed that. So that's the third person that I didn't know <laughs> where you had that yep. that <laughs> was there. So yeah, why don't you talk about June? Because I haven't seen June since I don't know, like two thousand or something. So uh, I know it does that? feel crazy to talk about June Akiyama at this level. <laughs> Like, why Why aren't people, like, watching him still? Is it just because he's old? Well, I just uh, don't care about him. So, <laughs> that'd be for me. Maybe I just haven't been watching him for as long as you have. I mean, the first time I remember seeing Jun Akiyama, it would have been, like, 2005. I mean, a lot. first time I saw a lot of these people is 2005. That's when I was started watching. I saw like, them in fucking 96. So it's going way yeah, back exactly. online and stuff. In fact, it's probably 2006, actually, not 2005, because it would have been Noah. I didn't really get into that until a bit later. Um, and I haven't really been watching much of him until like the last couple of years. And he just really, really fucking gets wrestling. 
He just, every time you watch him, every single minute of every match, he does exactly what you should be doing. He never does anything where it doesn't like make sense to do within the context of the match. Um, I think he's, he had a really long match, like 30 odd minutes with Tetsuya Endo at the start of the year. That's the match where he he won the DDT, like their world title, the KOD Openweight title, it's called. And that was way better for me than any of these like 30 minute matches from New Japan or whatever. You don't, I never got a sense that any of that match was just like padding. It was more like it takes the match like goes on for quite a while because they're both being cautious because they're both like really dangerous wrestlers and you don't want to be charging in with people like that who can just like knock you the fuck out if you make a mistake kind of thing. They've had like game plans. Which was going down to like wear down their opponents. Do you get what I mean? And yeah, it was yeah, really engaged. Sure. I watched the whole thing and I was proper into it. And he's had this kind of storyline through DDT where, as you can imagine, the Uncle June, he's a grumpy old man. What the fuck is he doing in DDT? What the fuck is he doing in DDT? It doesn't really make no fucking sense. It's like a No, it doesn't. It's not a it's not a comedy promotion really, but it's a it's a promotion which incorporates a lot of like goofy stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like a storyline going out going out throughout the year of him at the start, kind of being like, what the fuck is this all about? And then him just like growing to kind of like accept it and become part of the promotion. And one of my favorite matches I had this year was against Kazusada Higuchi. And another one of the shames of these matches because the crowds, they can't really say anything. Sorry, I mean, they can't really make noise. If they could make noise, then I'm probably saying that these matches are like as good as like any of his best number stuff or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, Yuki Ueno, who I mentioned earlier, he had a really great match with him, which I only watched last week. That's probably why I'm still in a high on him. Yeah, it, it's like he's seriously someone that um, I think people should be considering for number one on their GWE list uh, because like. They were pretty damn good in 93. Uh, and by like 97, 98, they were, you know, you could make their top 10 in the world candidate argument almost every year of their career since. Um, and that's a fucking long time to be doing that. Yeah. I remember listening to uh, Dylan Hales on the podcast he did for GWE in 2016 because he had Junior Akiyama like really high, like number nine or something. And he was just explaining and he was just thinking about it like one of his like principles he had was duration of quality is what he called it. And if that's like one of my most important things, how could I not rank Junior Akiyama super high considering how consistently great every year he's been pretty much his entire career? And he was saying that like, you know, six years ago. <laughs> I know. And from what I can tell, I haven't like watched that much of like 2018, 19. Uh, but from what I can tell, he's basically been just as great for this next six years as he has like the six years previously. Which is kind of... And he's not quite... He doesn't have quite the peak of some of the more famous workers from his era, but... <sighs> no one else from anywhere near his time where he debuted is still having matches of this quality, like multiple every year. And I've never seen him in anything which is even close to being bad. You even name another active wrestler that debuted in 93? 
like very few. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think. There's like Negro Casas, but like Lucha Lucha Libre has a bunch, but they're they're the, it's different there. He's not really that good now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like name, like there's no one else on our list that debuted in the '90s. Uh, maybe Punk and Brian, but that's uh, about it, right? Uh, they're very, very edge of the nineties. Yeah, yeah, but they were Yeah, but they don't really count either because they no one thinks they were one of the best wrestlers in the world in the nineties at any point, even nineteen ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Junior is like it's from like nineteen ninety four already. Yeah, yeah, true. It, so it's a wild career and uh, unbelievable that they're still. Freaking producing, and I think it's just the only reason he's not on more people's list. Yeah, I, I think it's just uh, no one's watching. Like, not as many people are watching DDT. I think is the only issue with him. Yeah, I don't really watch DDT as a promotion. I just cherry pick the odd stuff, and part of my cherry picking is basically this year I've just watched every June Akiyama match I can find, <laughs> which is. Uh, kind of what I do with uh, Mercedes Martinez, who is, uh, they might have debuted in like 2000, so around that time that we're talking. Uh, but yeah, uh, actually, one, of, one of the first <laughs> matches I watched, it would have been June, it's the, uh, the, cyber, the cyber, cyber Fight Festival, I've mentioned the show a few times now, he's in the main event versus Hiroshima, and it's a completely deserved the main event, that show. And that was like a free promotion show, it was uh, DDT, Noah, and Tokyo Joshi Pro wild um you know all like young promotions if you look at the rosters and the main event is june akiyama and he's still you know he's the best wrestler <laughs> on the show yeah <laughs> it, it's it's really really impressive um for sure uh so we each have our top twos um yeah one of the people neither of us has mentioned yet uh but i think we share them <laughs> Uh, and then the other person on each other's list, we both have lower than the other. So uh, it'll be interesting what order uh, these people come out. Um, but I'm going to say my number two, and let's see if you have them two or one. Uh, but that's uh, Utama Hayashida, or Shibida. Yeah, I've got Utami number two as well. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Uh, so Utami, uh, the ace of stardom throughout the year. Uh, all year um and <laughs> they had two of the biggest matches in joshi in the last 20 years um like crowd wise uh and importance wise and those two matches t- turned out to be two of the greatest matches of the last 20 years uh at least for me um Obviously, their 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 case is not bad because not just that because they were you know the the ace of the promotion uh, defending their title on uh, most of the big shows and uh, constantly uh, delivering. Um, uh, I know there was uh, you know there were some situations that she she might have been a little burnt out and uh, some of those uh, those house shows not putting in full effort maybe a little tired or something. Uh, but you can't really hold that against her. Uh, but uh, Utami, just uh, she she's twenty four. <laughs> I think I think I got that part right. Uh, and 
Just uh, I don't think she's old. No, <laughs> gosh. Okay, never mind. I don't know anyone's ages. Um, but uh, she has. Three. This... You are not far. <laughs> she has. Uh, she has. Uh, just a uh, incredible like um, power judo base that I absolutely love. Um, and just uh, some of the, the the greatest matches in history of wrestling. Uh, two of them, to me, uh, two matches that I would say in the top 100 matches of all time uh, in a resume in this one current year, uh, which is fucking impressive. Um, uh, but uh, you've you've been watching Utami a lot more longer than me, so uh, what do you have to say about her? Uh, Utami was basically one of my favorites in stardom from within six weeks of her debut uh she debuts the first ever matches against jungle kiona uh it goes to a time limit draw a 15 minute time limit draw and this is shortly before the five star grand prix where there was a few if still a few empty spots in there and then it just gets announced later that itami is going to be in the grand prix i can remember just thinking like Fucking hell, that's a bit of a that's a bit quick. I was expecting it to be maybe someone from another promotion or something, not this person who literally just debuted. And I think she was just genuinely, genuinely like one of the better wrestlers in the fucking whole tournament, even though she literally just debuted like the week before. And she uh and they fucking pushed her as well. She goes all the way to the fucking final and she has one of the better stardom matches of that year against Mayu Watani in the in the final, and she loses. And from that moment, I pretty much love her from then. She's a bit different from everyone else because of the judo background. She doesn't incorporate it quite as much as she used to. I wish she would do it a little bit more, really, because when she first debuted especially, she was just constantly doing these judo throws to everyone. Uh, she ended up getting a bit injured in 2019. So we didn't get to see her as much as I would have wished to. But then in 2020... She really kicks off again because she starts the year. She's still at the start of the year. She's still the future stardom champion. Really? But she, wow. she, yeah, she just vacates that belt. <laughs> she, uh, she got too high up in the promotion where there's no one who would challenge for the future stardom belt who can ever beat her. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, so but technically, isn't she still like qualified for that title? <laughs> no. You need to have been resting less than three years. She debuted in 2018. Oh, okay. So, so she wasn't, she was still, she would have still qualified for it up until like June 2021. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> so she just, she just vacated the title because it's like, well, no one's going to ever beat me for this either. And by the end of the year, she's a fucking world type. She's a world champion, isn't she? That's 2020. And 2021, she's the champion for virtually the entire year. She'd, from the start of the year, she don't lose it until the Jan- January, December the 29th against Shuri. That is my match of the year. I like that better than the first match, even. Um, I kind of, I think uh, a match which does have a winner, it usually has a bit of an advantage. Maybe that is the reason why, but it's also a bit yeah. shorter. I think in the first match, although it is also a very great match, I think after the restart, they go another 30 minutes, don't they? I think it would have been better if they just went another five. It felt like they were kind of dragging things out a little bit in the the second part of it. No, that's what I thought on a rewatch. Whereas I've watched the uh, 
that was only, that's less than a month ago. I've watched uh, the December 29th match like three times now. I think that's. Um, I think it's better. Probably. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's as great as any match can be without the crowd being able to make noise, unfortunately, which like holds it back a bit from how high it could be in terms of matches of all time, kind of thing. Because I do really love like hot crowds, but I think it is going to make my top 100 list. Uh, she's also been just really consistent this year. You did mention about her, like, uh, maybe half assing it on house shows a little bit, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> I probably didn't watch that house show anyway. I'm not watching everything yeah. fucking Star Wars show, and I don't really care if people who need to wrestle 100 times a year don't make full effort when they're wrestling in front of 100 people in some town no one's heard of. Very fair. Um, you know, you like, know it's just, it's just a bit stupid to do that. <laughs> you need well, to, you like, know. save yourself pay-per-views. No, for sure. Um, I want to point out one match, because this one, like, looking at my ratings for the year, kind of, like, surprises me. But, like, she yeah. had a really good title defense against Bia Priestley back in April. <laughs> like, an awesome match. And I don't like Bia Priestley. Yeah, that's his career. Yeah, that like, like that kind of gets forgotten because of the stuff that happened after it. But like, uh, good on her. Uh, yeah, fuck. What happened after it? You mean the match which followed it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that counts too. Um, I also fought the match against uh, Paul Sire at the Budokan match at the Budokan show. That was a pretty fucking great match. That was. Yes, it was too. Uh, yeah, you are going to impress me when someone does a Canadian destroyer in a match, and I actually liked it. <laughs> um, completely. I, I liked that spot. I thought it actually made sense for once. Yeah, that that's very rare. Um, I, I thought she worked she really great with... Uh, well. Yeah, I was just going to say, she had a really great series with Micah. That's the, exactly who I was uh, going to get to there. Uh, but, fuck. What a great wrestler. Like, just unbelievable and so young. She's only like three years into your, your, her career, like you said. Uh, but, and also, you get like big props for being the ace all year and really delivering. And we talked about um, Sasha uh, delivering at WrestleMania and like uh, what a high pressured situation to deliver in. Um, but that December 29th show uh, where her and Shuri uh, delivered. Um, that was a yes. high-pressure situation to deliver in. Yeah, that was a match I was nervous watching. I was nervous for two reasons. Number one, I was nervous because when the match started, like I started work like about an hour and a half afterwards. I would have to leave my <laughs> house in an hour. And everyone is fucking telling me, this match is going to go an hour. There's no time limit or whatever. So I was constantly just peering at the clock, just making sure I don't like uh, become late for work because I was watching Stardom, which is not the best excuse ever. <laughs> um, but it went; it only went like thirty-five minutes anyway. So these yeah, people yeah. need to shut up <laughs> because loads of Stardom matches have that stipulation, like no time limit. It doesn't actually mean the match is going to go like over an hour. What it means is they're just telling. It just, it's just a way, their way of signifying this is an important match. There's definitely going to be a winner. The fucking Tam Nakano versus Julia match at the Budokan show, the, the hair versus hair match, also had no time limit. Yeah. 
I, I think it's just because the other one was a 45 minute draw that you you were kind of like, oh no. Like, what are they going to do to top it? Oh, I was a bit nervous because I just thought the other reason why I was a bit nervous is I thought maybe they'd just go too far with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they didn't. Try and have like a super long match. Try and like make, basically do an even bigger version of the previous match, but thankfully they didn't do that. And, also, uh, one thing I'm going to disagree with you about is that she wasn't really the ace. No. Like, remember the B Priestly match and before that at the Budokan show? Uh, she wasn't in the main event either of those shows. That's true. Um, yeah, so she really became the ace a little bit later in the year, um, like May or June or something. Um, so, yeah, okay, fair point. I don't think she ever really did that. I think she, uh, she kept performing as if she was, but I think she had to. She had to like constantly be at the top of the game to like fight to even just main event the pay per views. Yeah, and... I mean, she she kind of consistently did probably partly because Julie was injured for most of the second half of the year. It, it, it lucked out for her. Um, yeah, and I gotta say, that's more pressure that's on her. And she had she was I think she was in the best match on the show on both of those shows where she wasn't even in the main event. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She good point about her absolutely delivering in high pressure situation um that's yeah the one thing that holds her back a little bit is she's a bit overly stoic <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah i do um i do uh hopefully this year with uh without the title uh um we've seen some signs of her showing emotions um uh, maybe the the burden of holding the title is off of her and she can kind of let loose a little bit. Uh, so I'm yeah, I'll have to get back to that because I watched no fucking January stardom. <laughs> There's some good stuff. But I don't want to list. all of this shit in real time, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, I've got too much to be doing. <laughs> Quite so we, I mainly mean obviously we watched in Volcay. So we both had Utami number two. I don't know how the rest of you watched so much stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a pandemic, so oh, yeah, we can't go out. <laughs> uh, I have a few more months left of that before that ends, and then we'll uh, we'll see how much stardom I can watch at that point. Um, <laughs> so we'll move on to our number ones then. That's fun. Um, and both of us had the other number one lower. Um, so since we just talked about Yutami, uh, let's talk about Sherry, who was my number one. Um, Obviously, the two Utami, the three Utami matches are all great, uh, but the, the the two big ones that were uh, absolutely believable, as my uh, screensaver wanted to come on there. Um, but uh, three matches this year, by the way. Uh, no one remembers the other one. It's been like removed from history. <laughs> I have the Grand Prix and the two big ones. What was the fourth one? <laughs> Uh, they had a match at the Cinderella tournament. Oh, okay. Cinderella tournaments, I don't know if they count for me. Um, it's just they're like weird. Uh, <laughs> they're weird stuff. Um, That's the one where uh, they started the weird angle, which was also like just never mentioned ever again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do remember that. Um, so, Shuri. Uh, why did I put Shuri above Yutami? Um Yeah, why? <laughs> why um there was something about 
getting invested into her chase for the title. Um, that was incredibly engaging. Um, but uh, I would also say the Momo Grand Prix final match um, is, I think, her match, her, her best match without Yutami is better than Yutami's match without Shuri. Um, and I think she I actually has that. a couple. She has a couple too, because uh, I think on the same fucking show, uh, the K- Takuma match, um, I also have higher than any other uh, Yutami match without Shuri. Um, but I, I got to say, like the chase, uh, I-, I think her as a personality, you said Yutami not engaging. I think Shuri is a very engaging personality, uh, which uh, obviously yeah. draws me in a lot. Um, and um, she made Yunagi into a good worker somehow. Um, like Yunagi before uh, the match, match with Shuri is not good. And then Yunagi has a really good match with Shuri. And then I thought she was good after that. So I don't know what the fuck she did, um, <laughs> but she somehow she somehow made Yunagi a good worker. So uh, big props to that. Um, and uh, I think it just her 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 style I enjoy just a little bit more, um, but uh, how can you uh, enjoy her style more when she's like the most shoot style person in all of Stardom? It's very bizarre. Eh? <laughs> I, I I I don't know how to do the mental calculations on that because um, her her shoot style isn't the shoot style I don't like. Um, the shoot style I don't like I don't want to rant about, but. Uh, Hers look okay. like wrestling matches, um, and not not what shoot style looks like to me, which is not wrestling matches. Uh, so, uh, but she she does okay. incorporate that. You know what? She incorporates shoot style into a wrestling format in such a great way. Um, really, the only match I didn't like from her this year was the uh, the the UWF rules match uh, with <laughs> with uh, Konami because. Uh, um, I don't like shoot style, so um, that would be her one drawback. But that's that's the style of the match, not. not her well. Yeah, I know some people do, some don't, but uh, it wasn't for me. But uh, yeah, Shuri for me, fucking wrestler of the year. Uh, so good for her too, because like she had been wrestling for so long before she's kind of hit this level, uh, and good for her to kind of um, retire from MMA. And then find her groove here in stardom. And really, just like I, I think one of the the points is she was so fucking good that clearly stardom had to change their plans because there was no way that she was set to main event sumo hall and win the title in December. Uh there was no way that was planned in like I don't know when that what plan would have came about, but there's no way her winning ending the year as world champion uh, was in the cards I don't know uh, until like maybe October November <laughs> like there is no way but so she was so good long term plans had to be changed for her I think the point where she had the like lesbian stalker gimmick is the point where you can definitely say she was not planned to main event the sumo hall and win the title <laughs> I would say even like I would say even like when that match was booked, her winning the title and ending the year as champion didn't feel like what was going to happen. 
Like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, think that, I think at that point it was actually. Yeah. Well, good on Rosie if he did at that point because um, I had no. The thing is, she starts talking about basically her, her wanting to like win the title, and, like dedicate it to her mother who passed away, and she was like bringing it up a lot, and like the company were kind of focusing on it, and that just seems a bit too like deep a, a storyline for them to run and then have a lose. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's good, but that's late in the year for them to uh, change their plans because I feel like probably Yutami was supposed to keep I the title very late, which you can say, yeah. well, there's no way that it wasn't the plan at that point. Yeah, maybe the Julia injury also helped because clearly Julia was supposed to take the title from Yutami at some point, um, but uh, Shuri definitely was good enough to um, make them not wait uh, for that. So. Um, that's my case. Probably. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I don't know if we can say clearly. I mean, we don't we don't really know about what the booking plans of Stardom are. They're quite tight-lipped about this shit. So lo- loads of this stuff that you hear is still kind of like speculation anyway. I mean, Rossi is a fairly like predictable bro- booker. It's not really... He doesn't do shocking things very often. Yeah. I say not very often. I still have a, I still have nightmares to when um, there's a very famous match in 2017. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where Mandy Leon uh, defeated uh, Io Shirai by submission. I think I did see that. <laughs> that was when I was, when I was like, watching. Uh, <laughs> Man, watching Mandy Leon on that tour. I remember. I think that's when I stopped watching. It was like, okay, why are you bringing this person? <laughs> well, it was a good show, other than. It wasn't even like a bad match. It was just a completely like baffling booking decision because you know, like Eo like almost never loses and then just loses by fucking tap out to Mandy Leon. But anyway, I'm going off fucking topic. I think um Roxy's not like the most uh he's a fairly predictable booker. So when you see people saying this is what Stardom's plans are, they don't really know. They're just like judging on how Stardom usually runs things. It's not like a backstage knowledge kind of thing like usually do with WWE because they're leaking their fucking booking plans still like the Observer and Mike Johnson and whatever all the fucking time. <laughs> uh, I would say there's a good chance that five star at the start of it that Shuri wasn't the plan to win it was going to be Julia because Julia was getting a lot of focus around that time as well but we don't really know. But I think you can definitely say around the time of the um, the Cinderella tournament that Shuri win winning the title like like the second biggest show of the year in fact probably the second biggest show in stardom history because i don't really count that 2013 show because that was full of people <laughs> that was full of like legends anyway um it probably wasn't the plan at that point they changed the plan sometime later i say somewhere between the first jury utami match and the end of the five-star grand prix um you know i i don't really like disagree with you Shuri, really, I had her at four. It's not like I ranked her anywhere anywhere lower. Especially all the points that you made, all the positive ones. I do agree that she's a more engaging personality than Tami is, for example. I think the thing that's just dropped me a few spots for her, and like this is something I was specifically thinking with with like Jun Akiyama, is I think she just has some like performances where she just wasn't very good. 
I would uh, point to those Julia tags. <laughs> so a low point of the year. Well, I mean, one of them, you know, you kind of have, if you're assessing a wrestler kind of fairly, you kind of do need to point this out because one of them was the main event of fucking pay-per-view where Utami versus B, the match before, had like a really great title match. And, you know, I watched that match twice because the first match time I saw it, I didn't really think very much of it, but I thought maybe I just wasn't paying attention or whatever. So then I watch it again. And then I'm just like, nah, this is just not good. Like, what the fuck is going on? It's just like 28 minutes long. And it's just totally random moves. You now, if you watch it, I'm pretty sure that at no point does any one team actually like have the advantage for like more than like a minute until like something just gets countered and then the other team starts beating them up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no like, there's no like face and peril segment or whatever. I don't want to sound like I'm being overly prescriptive about what how a match should should go. I'm just kind of describing it. It gives you an impression of. It just felt like kind of in wrestling terms, it was just kind of nonsense. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, I can't imagine Jun Akiyama basically main eventing a pay per view in a tag match. Like he would just like not allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So uh, I, yeah. At that point, I have to rank him above Shuri. <laughs> That's fair. I don't think Tommy's ever let me down. Lever is my number one. Man, speaking of your number one, uh, you have a, a, a young uh, Daniel Bryan, I believe. Yeah, it really has to be him, isn't it? Doesn't it? At the end of the day. That's. Uh, um, I was looking at a thread on PWO where they were talking about the wrestler of the year, and uh, everyone seems to be like, "Yeah, obviously, no doubt, Daniel Bryan." Um, obviously, I had him at eighteen, so um, I'm not in that camp. But uh, clearly, I thought he was great. Uh, but why don't you uh, make the case that I guess everyone's kind of thinks is obvious? You know, I'm not going to say that it's obvious. I didn't, at the start of this, when I'm thinking through, I didn't, like, just pencil in Brian at number one. Like, I... I seriously considered... I think I seriously considered, like, Utami and Shuri as well. I didn't really seriously consider, like, Jun Akiyama because I watched so much of his stuff later on that I'd kind of, like, realised that Brian's already high at that point anyway, if you get what I mean. Despite yeah, June yeah. and up really high at the end anyway. But I just like add, just add it all up. Like Brian's got like all of the great stuff that he could possibly want. I mean, I'll talk about in, de- in detail later. He has some extra things which no one else has done this year. And he's really like, what has he ever done? What can you seriously fault him for this year? You want me being negative, Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Um, it, it, it's, I don't know if I can blame him for any of this, but um, he worked, well, he, worked a, he, he worked a don't lot of matches. On. Yeah, he worked a lot of matches um, where he was given a lot of time and a big opponent on like a, a stage that was hyped. And it, it just matches that like completely bored the shit out of me. Like the Kenny Omega uh, match and the um, oh, fuck, what's his name? The New Japan guy, uh, Muro uh, Suzuki. Like the like the Suzuki yeah, match. Suzuki. I turn, yeah, I turned that off. 
I was just like, I don't like this or care about it. Um, and I feel like Daniel Bryan uh, works the best uh, when he has an editor. So like some of his best matches are like uh, like the Rusev match where it's on pay-per-view and there's kind of like a, you know, we have to get everyone time. So uh, he's not getting 30 minutes or whatever. Um, so th- th- like a lot of the uh, more hyped matches, I just didn't care about or they bored me. Uh, I mean, how do you know he has an editor for the Rusev? We keep calling him Rusev Miro. How do you know he has yeah, an editor for that the matches? Well, just like because it's pay per view and there's not enough. Like you, he didn't like have as much time. It's like basically my my argument. Like he didn't get like okay. he could have had a thirty minute match with Rusev if he wanted or Miro if he wanted to on pay per view because they're like, hey, uh, you know, Omega needs time and this person needs time. Uh, that's what, kind of what like uh, that, that's just what I meant there. But uh, it's just uh, a lot of the big matches were against people I don't care about, and they didn't connect with me at all. Um, so that that's my negative Nancy take on uh, Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I know. I knew you weren't going to rank him so high. I mean, part of that is you don't like some of the style that he works, and that's just like a subjective thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and now you know you can't really expect someone to like rank someone high, as high as other people would if you just don't really like that kind of style of wrestling. You know, the Minoru Suzuki match, Yeah, you know, I liked the match. I didn't think that it was like a match of the year candidate like a lot of people thought because it's also not really like kind of like my, my favourite style of wrestling. You know, when to, to put it in a very simple way, the style where they kind of just like stand and stare down each other and then hit each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rather than like actual sport, but I will also say that that is probably about as entertaining for me personally version of that match that I've seen in a while. Because at least uh, Brian was putting a lot of personality into the whole thing, and he actually and he seemed to like be selling the hits. Like he wasn't just like no selling them. Like a lot of people like kind of do, he would like stumble and like grim himself up and make it kind of feel like he was being like hit quite hard. Like if you want to start rating, I put like three and three quarters for that. So I'm probably like lower than a lot of other people who you talk to about it. Uh, but you also, I also take into account that for the people who do really love that style, that was the perfect match for them. And I think thinking about from from Brian's perspective. Like, who is he wrestling? He's wrestling Minoru Suzuki. That's what Minoru Suzuki does. And for people who especially love Minoru Suzuki, that's what they would have wanted to see. Yeah, you know what? That's like a great point because I think Daniel Bryan is like the perfect wrestler for um, certain types of fans. Like, he does everything they could possibly want. And I have like, I have no problem with anyone being like, this person is the greatest wrestler ever. And like, they're having just like one of the best runs ever because he's like Taylor made for them. Uh, I'm just not one of those fans. So it doesn't connect with me like that, which whatever. I think, so, I think you also just take into account for matches like the Suzuki match. Like sometimes you shouldn't do the match that the people want to see. Because it doesn't help advance like a certain storyline or whatever. So I don't think that that is the best thing to do in every case. But like this wasn't a match which was part of a storyline. 
Like this wasn't, in fact, it wasn't actually even on fucking TV. It was just a match which was on YouTube. And it only <laughs> happened because Minoru Suzuki happened to be in America at the time. Like they couldn't do it any other time because he was going back to Japan in like a week or something. Yeah. So it's like, this is the the match. You're booking it now. It's happening. It's not going to be part of any kind of storyline because he's disappearing. What match do you do? And it's just on YouTube. No, no, I agree. It was the, the right decision. Um, I, I would never... Yeah. Uh, you were talking about one match which isn't even in the top 10 Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Bryan Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, go off about Daniel Bryan. Ignore my... Uh, yeah. Ignore me on this. Um, I know I'm not... Well, I think... Uh, well, I mean, I think I've um, seemed to have made some good headway with you on even just that match anyway. If you're saying that him working that match that way was the correct decision anyway. Uh, so from the start, and this is that's almost been forgotten. Like Brian was in WWE for the first four months of the year. And yeah. I think he's like he's very arguably the best wrestler of the first four months of the year. I think he's certainly the best wrestler in WWE for the first four months of the year. Uh and I'm kind of like saying this, I mean it's this isn't you, but I've there are some of the uh the AEW like hardcore fans, which I'm not really, who seem to be insisting right now that Daniel Bryan's run in WWE was just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, that's silly. And now, now he's back, you know, on the well outside of WWE. Now he's in AEW. Now he's great again. Like fuck off, that's fucking bullshit. Bryan was great everywhere, and he was great in WWE this year also. He starts the year. I've watched every Bryan match from WWE. I just watched all of them. Uh, he has like a little feud, like a friendly feud, like Babyface versus Babyface versus Cesaro. Uh, there's a match on SmackDown versus against Cesaro in January. I mean, you know that match is going to be really fucking good, but it's probably like one of the best Cesaro matches that I've seen in a while. There's two matches, actually. The first one is the one I'm thinking of. The second one, I mean, they don't get as much time. It's like 10 minutes the second one, so it's not on that same level. But still, that first match... Uh, not only just the quality match, but that's the match which really like gave Cesaro like a big momentum push, which resulted him eventually getting that title match with Roman Reigns like later in the year. Uh, he had a few matches with Jey Uso, who is not someone known for having great singles matches, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong if anyone knows any different, but I'm pretty sure that Jey Uso has never had a singles match as great as the ones he had with Daniel Bryan this year. Uh, I mean, you um... may. Just uh, Roman. yeah, I was gonna say Sorry. the Roman feud was that with Jay or Jimmy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was with Jay. I've just realised some people might like that, but I'm not personally a fan of matches where they just basically spend half the match just chatting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, uh, yeah, I know. That went on for a bit too fucking long. That so no, the Brian matches are definitely better. Uh, he has this really lovely tag match on SmackDown. Oh, I don't know the exact date, but look it up. It's Brian and Cesaro versus Jey Uso and Seth Rollins. And that tag match is basically the only tag match you really got all year that got any kind of time. And it's better than any Shuri Julia's tag title matches. To be fair, he does have three really good tag workers in that match as well. But yeah, just watch that. It's like just a four-star tag match on TV. Uh, that That's not so much a, a Brian's case individually because of that just the match in general is really great but it's just an example of like there's nothing that he's involved with for me where you can see that he's let anyone down 
Uh, the big, like, the centerpiece of his WWE run this year has been his matches with Roman Reigns. Uh, there's the match, um, well, there's his performance in the Elimination Chamber match, which is, it's not one of the best Elimination Chamber matches ever, even leaving aside that there isn't a crowd. Uh, it's one of the better uh, individual performances in an Elimination Chamber match, I'd say. Uh, especially when he just follows it up and then has another match with Roman Reigns straight afterwards. There's the Fast Lane match, which I think is one of the best matches like Brian's ever had in WWE. Uh, if only he had a fucking crowd, man. Uh, he starts it off, and he's got this this really because he does the bit of chatting in that match as well, but it's not the wrong kind of chatting where it looks like they're having a full like like Shakespearean dialogue. It's just like Brian being a cocky motherfucker, you know. Like he grabs, he managed to does some like cool little uh mat work where he grabs a hold of Roman's heel, and he's like about to get a hold in onto him. That, like Roman managed to like get out of it just in time. Then like Brian's just like just trying to like get in his head, just winding him up, shouting little shit. And that's just like a, that's just a wonderful little match to watch if you just ignore the fact that there's no crowd there. And it is that's held back a little bit. Yeah. It is held back a little bit by that. And also I'd rather uh, the camera didn't kept cutting to fucking edge on commentary every fucking minute. And <laughs> The, the WrestleMania main event, which is, um, which is great. yeah, yeah, I don't think it's as good as the Roman single matches, but it's just you know, Daniel Bryan main eventing WrestleMania. Like, what the fuck do you, what the fuck did you expect was going to happen? <laughs> He's going to fucking deliver, isn't he? Yeah, and I don't even fucking like Edge this run, but he weren't going to drag that down, and then. I mean, a lot of people prefer this to the fast lane match, but this is another really great one. Roman versus uh, Daniel Bryan in the if Daniel Bryan loses, he must leave SmackDown match. Yeah. I assume you've seen this one because you ranked Roman Reigns yeah, high yeah, as well. This, this was another great match for sure. You know, another one. You know, if that had a fucking crowd, it's probably like one of the best matches in SmackDown history, isn't it? Ah, uh, it's. It's really hard to like separate those things out and like imagine, you know, like I have a hard time. It's because like it is so distracting uh, with the fucking video screens everywhere and stuff. It's like I can recognize it's a great match, but like I don't know what it would be like if there wasn't like two million video screens in the background (laughs) just like grabbing my attention. Yeah, but I guess we're we're talking 2021, so we're comparing into, you know, everyone else who's wrestling in front of even no crowds or crowds who can't make noise. So it's not like anyone else has got an advantage over him here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know... You know, him, out of, out of WWE, him and probably Sheamus are the ones who've, like, wrestled a style where the lack of a crowd, like been as, as big of a drawback as it would usually be and this is me just talking about his wwe run which i think is being kind of forgotten compared to how the AEW run which everyone is fucking talking about he was already really fucking great just in that wwe run alone now i think the 
the one drawback of his case, which I'm not going to ignore, is that he then doesn't wrestle for four months. Yeah, he has a grand total of 36 Yeah, matches. I think you add up the amount of matches, it's still like quite a decent amount of matches, though. It's 36 for the year. Yeah, and they're basically all televised. I'm pretty sure that every single match of his is like on tape. That I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Because WWE weren't running no house shows when he was there. Remember? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Mr. TV. And AEW don't do house shows. Yeah, that's a lot of WWE matches, really, then, if you think about it. Yep. So, even though he does have that missing part, because every single match of his is like easily available on tape, we've got more of Brian wrestling than a lot of people who are on our list and have wrestled the whole year. So I think it's not that big of an issue. Look here. Let me look up this data here. Yeah. So there's also, there's also... Sorry, go on. Yeah, so for 2021, he had seven matches in January, six in February, two in March, four in April, and then he has two in September. So there was, yeah, four months off. Seven in October, five in November, and three in December. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're like, is this cage match? I haven't looked it up this actually. Is, uh, this is wrestling data. Okay, are they including the match you had on Dark as a masked wrestler? <laughs> uh, what month was that? I, I can find that out. Do you know what no, month that was? Is there an Infinito match on there? Uh, let me see. I have to look at this way. It's never been officially said that it's Okay. So. Oh, it, it is just uh, officially acknowledged that that is clearly Brian in a mask. Okay, that's good. Well, according to wrestling data, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm counting that as part of his case because you should look that match up. It's not like amazing or anything, but it's Brian in a mask. But you can't really tell it's Brian by how he wrestles because he's wrestling... He, all every fucking movie does in that match is, is moves he never does as fucking Brian Danielson. He just wrestles as like a luchador. That's weird. You can just tell it's Brian because of his voice. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. And some, and also there is one thing which he kind of gives him away. He's kind of like his kind of his stance, the way he kind of moves. But yeah, he goes and wrestles that match as like a happy-go-lucky luchador. It's really, it's really quite fun. And it just adds a little bit to me. Uh, it's AEW run. You know, I think basically from September till now, which is only four months, I think that's, I think it's like an all-time great run. We'll see what goes on in 2022 if he's going to add to it. It's not been that long so much, but I think it's a run that people are going to be talking about for quite a long time. Um, There's actually one match from April 1st. Uh, yep. Street fight with Jay Uso. That uh, it says it's a TV taping, but it doesn't say what TV. Um, I don't know. Yeah, is that one. Oh, okay, because there is a there's two Jay Uso matches. I was just curious if that was one. This one was filmed, I guess. At um, oh yeah, everything was filmed at Tropicana Field. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> filmed and they broadcast it later on the on the SmackDown episode. But no, I remember that match. That definitely did happen on TV. Okay, cool. Yeah, just wrestling data has it as TV taping instead of SmackDown for some reason. Um, so that's uh, 
Yeah, it's probably because SmackDown's usually live in it, but I guess that one, it didn't go out live. They just filmed it in that fucking weird studio that they got and then broadcast it a few days later or whatever. <laughs> uh, the That's best weird. my match here is the Eddie Kingston match, which I probably should have mentioned when we were talking about Eddie Kingston as well. Ah, you're saving it for now. That's fine. <laughs> uh, not on purpose. I just remembered it now. Uh, one of the favorite things about it is actually just the post match because Eddie's just doing this kind of like, oh, we fought really hard. I respect you after that battle, even though you beat me. And you see how like Brian reacted with just like complete fucking disdain. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's definitely one of the uh, the best. I, I I had it a little below the Punk one, but uh, um, yeah, definitely one of the best Kingston matches. Oh, you really like that match then? Okay, good. I just love this look on his face. He just looked fucking disgusted. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like, kick your fucking ass. I'm not doing any of this uh, respect bullshit. And then he just storms off. That's what led to the punk match of Eddie Kingston as well, because Eddie was just, you know, he'd been fucking humiliated. He was in a bad mood. <laughs> That's uh, good storytelling. Yep. I I really like the 60-minute 60, the 60 draw with Adam Page. I know you weren't a fan of it, but uh, maybe it's different oh. because you watched, you watched no, it knowing just, it was just... No, no, I, I just, I won't watch that match. <laughs> like, I'm not going to watch oh, that sorry. match. Oh, okay. I, I know I won't like it. Uh, and it's an hour, so I'm just not going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, like, I think with 60-minute draws, it may be a thing, like, they're just not as good if you watch it knowing what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you know it's going to be 60 going in. Um, yeah, but look, yeah. I watched that match. I just put the AW episode on. I had no idea because I just... uh. I didn't watch it live, but I just like downloaded it like the day after, and I try and avoid spoilers. So I had no idea how long that match was going to go on. It wasn't. It wasn't worth like a match which is going to go, which was obviously going to go sixty minutes. Uh, and for me, the the match just like flew by. It didn't feel like an hour at, at all. And I will also add. Uh, this is this doesn't really mean anything, but I'm just going to add it anyway. When I put that. Uh, episode of AEW one. I've got a housemate who had never watched any wrestling until uh, February of 2021 when they moved in with me and will occasionally just watch what I'm watching. And they watched the whole fucking hour match. That's that is a that is a good kudo for sure. That's a so it couldn't have been. Because it's like a, like a thing that everyone says. Oh, never show someone who's like a kind of like newest fan like a really long match. They'll never like it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, I I don't think I won't like it because it's boring. It's just not my cup of tea type of situation. Yeah, and also in hindsight, uh, like the rematch, like you realize the stuff that they did in the sixty minute draw, it basically make the rematch better because they like playoff stuff. Yeah, that's uh, like that's yeah, having a a game plan or like. Um, using the second match to uh, build in on it. Um, I just want to, I don't think I heard you mention this, and it, it's probably my favorite, um, maybe not the best, but probably my favorite Brian match of the year was the uh, the Dustin Rhodes one. Uh, I've got a whole list to go through. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he just we had so many minutes, We have 40 minutes until my groceries get here, so... Uh, uh, go off. <laughs> uh, I think that's my favorite Dustin Rhodes match. Like, 
apart from like the obvious one, the Cody Rhodes match, I think that's the second best best match he's had in AEW. I, I and know, he just um, this is around the time where Brian's because he does like eventually do the heel turn, so he's still like a babyface in this match, but. I think he's kind of like setting up already by this match because he's just being fucking mean here. Yeah. Like, no, no one wants to see like Dustin Rhodes just getting. Because it isn't even that competitive of a match, really. Like, the story kind of is like Dustin's like, like you passed it, mate. Yeah. And you don't agree? be mean to Dustin. Dustin is too beloved. Yeah. The Brian is just like, well, he doesn't agree. He's just like, look, I'm clearly like way better than you. And you ain't gonna stand a chance of winning this fucking tournament, mate. Just 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 stay down. You know, like yeah. a four star match for me. And just a great like individual performance as well. I mean, I really like Dustin. Yeah, me too. So I'm not uh, I'm not saying that was all Brian. But I think Brian uh, Brian gets a good uh I don't. I really don't agree with this, but I've seen elsewhere that Brian kind of he's like any remotely like Flair in terms of like having matches which do similar a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I, I think... buy that. Uh, um, uh, what I uh, the only comparison to I think Flair I can think of of matches. Yeah the the only comparison I have to Flair is that. Um, it's really hard to be well, not as much anymore, thanks to Flair's uh, personal issues. But it, it was uh, there's been points in time where it's very hard to be um, say anything negative against either one of them without people freaking out. Um, that that's where the comparison is in my head. <laughs> uh, uh, if people have got negative shit to say, then I want I want to kind of hear it in it. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're one of the good ones, so you don't count. In that. Okay, <laughs> you don't I just want to know where people. Kind of I know where people are coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's a great attitude. I also like. I don't know. I've heard some. I've. I don't hear people when they're criticizing like Brian. I don't hear that much substance to it. Like pretty often. I feel. I feel we're kind of getting to the point where. He's getting close to how like Flair was. Like ten years ago, something where he's kind of like approaching like a consensus, like maybe not consensus, but like the majority number one pick. So everyone who's against that now really sees it as a focus of trying to shoot his case down. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna like to me. I, I'm not never gonna try to shoot Brian's case down. I just I want to shoot other people's cases above it. <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, I mean, if people are going to shoot it down, though, I just wish people would shoot down. People would actually, like, take his case as it is and shoot that down rather than pretending that people have claimed that he was the best worker in the world for the last 20 years, every single year, or some nonsense like that. <laughs> Shout out to our friend. Um... <laughs> okay. Uh, what else has Brian done this year that I haven't mentioned because I've been thrown off my list here? Oh, uh, the um. Oh, sorry. Were you gonna? No, I was just looking through the list and seeing if there was anything else that uh, 
I thought should be mentioned. Yeah, well, I was just going to say the Kenny Omega match anyway, which I don't really like Kenny Omega, to be honest, but that's probably like the most entertained I've been watching a Kenny Omega match. But um, this is another thing where I think like Brian's good at like wrestling with a different tone each time. Because the Omega match, it doesn't really, it doesn't really like resolve anything. Like it's just there purely for the spectacle of Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega on TV, right? Yeah, 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 totally. It was like, hey, look what we could do, type of thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the thing is, like, it shouldn't do because that match, that match just had to be a draw. There was no, I mean, they could just do a DQ finish as well, but like, that's not an option for them because AEW basically is a. Uh, it's even more the Wild West than fucking 80s AJW. Like, no one ever gets disqualified. <laughs> ever. So that's not an option. Brian's not going to pin Kenny Omega because Kenny's the world champion and they've set up the storyline pretty much the entirety of AEW's existence that Adam Page is going to be the one to beat him and it would totally undermine that if Brian pins him like the month before. And you can't have Brian lose on his fucking debut. So what do you do? Yeah. Like... People can moan about draws, but like, that's what they're designed for. That's the job that they've been given. That's the job which Brian has been given is you need to do this 30 minute draw. And also, Brian versus Kenny Omega is probably going to happen again. I would assume so, yeah. Well, you kind of need to have a match which is going to satisfy the 18,000 people or whatever who bought tickets to that show, with that being. I mean, it was the first match in the show, but everyone knows it was the main event, really. Who satisfies those people, but doesn't like in any way undermine the narratives which are already going in, going on in the promotion before Brian arrives. And also, when we do get the rematch, is going to get people even more excited for that rematch. And I think he's just ticked all the boxes with how he's performed in that match. I think that was a way better performance than. And his matches, and his matches against Adam Page. Then, for example, uh, the stuff that happened, you know, just the elite stuff like the Kenny Omega and Adam Page and the Young Bucks. I think they kind of. Um, I mean, part of it was because Adam had to take time off because he's, you know, he had a kid and whatever. But it kind of felt like a lot of that stuff was end up being kind of anticlimactic. I wish um, I wish I watched more AEW so that I could add more insight to this. Uh, okay, this sorry. <laughs> I mean, to, my, so, to be honest, I didn't watch any AEW for all the first year it existed. I watched actually, I watched the first episode in a few bits in 2019 and decided that I just don't like this fucking show. But it has like quite. I'm I'm probably going to sound like Jim Cornette when I talk about all the things I didn't like about 2019 AEW, but it has actually changed like quite drastically, really. If you, because I ended up fairly recently just deciding to just watch a few of the old AEW stuff that I that I missed out. So I've really seen quite quickly how just watching cherry picking a few things in 2019, 2020 to the present day about how quickly things have changed. And when you hear these reports that the um, like the elite guys kind of had a lot of like creative input at the start of the promotion, but over time Tony Khan has kind of taken over. 
you, you really do see that that's how that is that's probably true and how things have uh I would say have moved in some respects to like a promotion which is more like what I want to watch, not in all respects, as you're probably not talking about there. Yeah. Uh but yeah, and so the other thing, big thing, I'm going back to Brian now that he has. I've talked about how he's really great in both parts of the year. That he's been, I'd say, the best wrestler in the promotion he was in. And it's two different promotions with like I'd say at this point, like WWE and AEW have got like quite a different fan base who expect different things. Yeah. Probably why yeah. some of the AEW hardcores think that his eight that his WWE run is just worthless. <laughs> that he's like totally delivered for both sets of fans. Yeah, and a lot of those fans really discount the other uh, promotion uh, greatly. So hitting both of them, that's that is a that is a good feather for sure. Yeah. So and no one else basically has that. Like all year. Yeah, uh, the I'm I trying to think of the people that single biggest point on top, which puts Brian above everyone else. You can you can think of it as a variety thing that he's pulled off being, you know, the best the best guy and the guy who's consistently delivered on everything that fans could fans of those promotions and the styles of wrestling that he's doing could reasonably expect from him. Um, definitely, uh, you definitely made a good case for him. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I am who I am. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it, to, I ain't going to convince you he's the number one. No. Maybe, maybe I'll convince you to up in one or two places on your list, but that's the height of my ambitions there. Actually, I don't really care where you <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i uh look through it um uh, well i definitely have to make room for takumi now that you told me I, I was allowed to put her back on uh so we would see how that list would shape up <laughs> um but man yeah that was uh we've we've done our 25 lists um obviously there's not going to be any other uh guests or any other topics discussed in this podcast um but uh uh, Cad, uh, do you have anything you want to um, uh, actually? Yeah, have anything you want to plug? Uh, if you want to uh, direct people also to the Discord, which I always try to do, but I would love to hear someone else uh, plug the Discord as well uh, before we ahead. Well, I guess I'll the Discord because I'm not really like your other really interesting guests who've got these all of these other fucking podcasts and projects that they do. I don't really do fucking nothing. Uh yeah, so if you listen if you listen to the podcast and you've put up with me and Steven chatting about 2021 for like fucking three hours by now. Uh you're probably either really sick of this and never wanted to just discuss it again. But that's alright because of the Discord we don't really talk about uh current day wrestling that much anyway. A lot of the talk is about historic stuff because we we're discussing um who the greatest wrestler ever is. And we've got chat going as far back as um, like Lufez matches from the 50s up until the present day. There's a lot of um, talk going at the moment about 90s, uh, 90s Joshi that I've been watching as well. So come along if you've got some. If you, I'm really interested in people who've got people, who've got like a wrestler who 
they think has been overlooked or underrated or something come and make the case to us and i really like checking these things out when someone brings us some new suggestions awesome well uh thanks cad i i appreciate you being on here and doing a podcast which you uh rarely do um but uh, uh i haven't done a podcast in a must be three years by now <laughs> that, I, I wanna go on and in that fucking podcast it's super fucking obscure <laughs> well uh we'll, we'll see if uh, you get any more bookings out of this um but <laughs> thank you for joining us and we'll be back uh next month and uh i'm gonna do uh 1985 uh for that and uh so that should be a completely different type of list than the list we talked about today I wonder who the number one is going to be. Thank you. Um, I actually... Oh. No, don't say it. That was tough. (laughs) I think I know, but uh, I'm not sure yet. So uh, thank you all, and uh, have a great month. Salute.